Welcome to the RAB Poetry Podcast, where we bring you the stories behind the words, where every poem has a story behind it. Our podcast is a journey through the hearts and minds of poets as we delve into the inspirations, struggles, and triumphs that fuel their work. In each episode, we'll feature a poem, sharing the underlying stories and reciting the most powerful and moving pieces. From various poems on wide variety of topics and rising poets and authors, our podcast is the perfect companion for anyone who loves poetry and the power of words. Whether you're a seasoned poetry enthusiast or just getting started, you'll find something to love on the RAB Poetry Podcast. So tune in and let the stories of our poets take you on a journey of inspiration and emotion. Listen to the REB Poetry Podcast, available on all major platforms now. Welcome to Fandom Power. No disintegrations. (laughs) (laughs) Put Captain Solo in the cargo hold. I'm coming to your house. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What's going on? Not too much. Hi, fandom. Hello, everybody. Welcome back. It's Wes, Andy, and Hank back with another episode of Fandom Power, the little show here we like to call the Book of Boba Fandom. Week three, I almost came to the table tonight wearing a helmet, uh, and that's no lie. I don't know, uh, but I don't know about you guys. Uh, it's a good thing I don't own a gaffy stick. <laughs> I'm pretty active in the fan communities, and uh, man, did anybody else feel like they were dodging a lot of stuff? <laughs> Holy crap, there's another toxic comment. <laughs> oh, another upset fan. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it was mental, Why? and it, I, I, Saturday morning I woke up, and I... I just, I let him have it. <laughs> I, <laughs> I wrote something on the toilet. You ever do that? It's like profound. Oh and my I, gosh, I yes. Just, I was just like, that's it. I'm, I'm done. I don't want to just get out. And I, I don't yeah. want, you know, we're not going to read it or anything, but no, it, man, I, I don't, I, I guess I don't understand. And it, to the point that it made me angry enough to want to like say my piece. And I don't often do that. Do you want to just do we want to just take a couple minutes, get it out of our system and just get it out of the way? Because let's be honest here. We've said it before. We kind of I don't know about you guys. I mean, uh, I don't want to speak for anybody, even though I, I'm pretty sure I know your your positions on things. We we kind of really love the brand. We love the property. We love what's varying degrees of love. But generally speaking, we love Star Wars. And as we've said many times before, I would rather have more Star Wars than not. True. Yeah. A okay. lot of these people, I uh, uh, start to sound like a weirdo. These people, um, <laughs> looking at I you, Jerry. I don't know if they they were alive during the drought, uh, and that's that's okay. Mm. You can be a young fan and still and still matter and still appreciate what's going on. Absolutely, there was a huge drought between eighty three and like ninety two, sure, where there was sure. nothing but our brains. Maybe some I mean, if you. Comics. If you were hanging on for dear life to the action figure line, you you could squeeze that out to 85. And we had some role-playing games, so we got a place to stretch our imaginations. But it was dead air. We would have cut our arms off for a Boba Fett show or anything. Anything, anything, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And now I think that that people are spoiled. Um, The on-demand culture. 
yeah. think they need their art spoon fed to them. I don't. I Sometimes, don't, yeah. You know, I don't think they have. Uh, I haven't heard many legs to stand on. You know, the, the viable arguments are the voices aren't that loud. That's the problem is that the voice of the the ignorant dissenter is so loud. It's crazy. it is. It's very loud. It's uh, almost like. <sighs> You know, I don't, I don't like using the, the term, but I mean, it's quite an echo chamber. Like, if you're not saying something, it's overwhelming, you know, like, and, it, right. and it's hard yeah. to be, it's hard to be a, 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 a can I say, balanced fan? Um, because certainly <laughs> that's, that's informed by our own likes and opinions and stuff. But I mean, as somebody who I think, I think for the most part, we're, I'm a pretty balanced fan. I can accept the criticisms of things, as I've said before. Right. Um, you can be critical of something without having to attack it or attack yeah. the people who do like it. And that's the distinction. I think that this, it seems, I, I, I haven't heard a critical, I mean, I shouldn't say I haven't heard one. I've heard a few, you know, viable contenders for, for critical analysis of these things. Yeah. But yeah, yeah. from the most part, it's just everybody's parroting, I don't like the color of the Vespas or some iteration of, <sighs> I don't like those Vespa characters or the mod kids. I don't like the zippers. Can we th- can we please can we talk about zippers? Sure, can we, we can. So there's yeah, a, of course the, we can. There's a super famous thing that's it's actually in one of the old Star Wars yep. uh, notebooks. Where there it is. Okay, let's just hold on that for a second. Sure, sure. Ralph McQuarrie and another design guy decided they didn't want to show any zippers in Star Wars. That was that was like a grail item. No zippers. You didn't want to show Wars. it. Put a flap right. on it. Right, 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 right. <laughs> and so people are citing that. Okay, it's canon. Like that there's gospel, no zippers in Star Wars. <laughs> that there are no zippers in Star Wars, and therefore the, that that Drac or uh, is that her name? Sorry, um, Drash. Would, Drash. Drash. Would, yeah, I'm new. she's new. Drash wouldn't have zippers all over her. <laughs> her, you know, in her I'm jacket. Not, yeah. yeah. Can we, and if we go back to the fight in the bike with the bikers, right? Which that, we will. I, there's no jeans in Star Wars either. There's no denim. Like they were, you know. So did anybody? Uh, I don't know about you guys. I mean, certainly through the the research that we do for the show, um, were you guys aware that uh, for Episode Four for Star Wars back in '77, all the pants, all the hero pants, were denim jeans? Yeah, their Luke's were bleached Levi's. They were bleached white. Yeah, and Hans were just the uh, the the Carillion blood stripe was just added. So just so everybody realizes, <laughs> Luke zips up a zipper on his flight suit in that scene in Empire Strikes Back. Absolutely, he does. They to go stand on another mountain. Right. All right. So that's. I think it's universally. I won't say universally, but I think the biggest criticism this week is obvious. Is has been the mod gang, and uh, I think you know. I, I think it's cool, and I'm going to say I'm going to go right out on the limb right here and say I think it's cool for a couple of reasons. Because first of all. I was born in the 1970s, so I was not around, and I certainly did not live in the UK. I've not visited the UK. I was not exposed to the mod culture. And so when you know when you start looking things up for the purposes of the show and you find out that mod culture is really kind of steeped in the whole, uh, you know, there's a fashion element to it and uh, this whole identity with the, the scooter thing, well, it, it sure, I get it. The visual thing's great. But then there's this whole other level where it's like the double meaning. Right. What about the, the whole cyberpunk thing? The whole, and I mm-hmm. said it in a, in a couple times this week, it's like, that's pretty clever. Mods using mods. Ha ha ha. Yeah, I get literally. it. And I it's, get it. It's, it goes, it's got deep roots in Star Wars. We got For sure the does. bounty hunters. We're going to talk about, yeah. 
I've got a slide on that that we're going to talk about a little bit later because yeah. that's a, I think that's a pretty cool sort of in-universe conversation that we can have. There's so many, so many sort of other things that like where they that these kids just like it's so Star Wars. I can't even begin. I almost tripping over my words. George well, Lucas made American Graffiti that's to right. make the money to make Star Wars, but that makes about yeah. hot rods. And so yeah. if we're not paying an homage this this is the idea of the cars and the hot wiring scene in the beginning of solo these are homages to the the man that actually breathed life into this whole thing yep so you know and then it's it's like you said um you probably want to speak on it the 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 middle eastern culture of kids yeah there's flashy cars there's this whole there's a whole vibrant call that was the argument one of the arguments that came up this week was like the the vespa scooters scooter speeders make no sense because of the candy paint and how well they're maintained in uh, on tatooine and i'm like has nobody been to the middle east has nobody been to a, a poor arid country has no one seen the fast and the furious well, I mean, let's take the Hollywood out of it. I mean, because this is this is where a lot of people have talked about it before. A lot of the criticism comes from uh, transference. You know, this idea of what we think it should be, and we we superimpose those thoughts and those yes. wishes Cognitive onto what it is. Sure. So if you're gonna if you're gonna make the argument that the paint would be scuffed in a desert environment, sure. But pride of ownership trumps all of that. And when I say that, I mean there is a vibrant call, uh, car culture in the Middle East, which is um a a desert uh so all of these issues that people are having with with uh you know immaculate paint jobs on tatooine are just as real in the real world and i said earlier to you hank we were talking how many times and andy you've seen it too i mean we live in a small town so i mean trust me we see this all the time kids with no money because they don't really they they have a, a bare minimum wage job or they just don't have a lot of money have a a a pos honda civic or whatever right it may not look great under the hood but it's got the the snazziest wheels the best paint the all the light mods and the and the the stereo and it's like because that's part of their identity that they've put everything that they have into that conveyance and i see that the mod gang is exactly the same thing yeah yeah it's got working class roots and so you sure you're trying to you're trying to like you know put something on your exterior to, yep. to show that you can keep, keep, you know, that you're, you're, you, it's like a longing not to be where your roots are. It's like yeah, uh, sneaker yeah. culture in hip hop where the kids in, yes. the, in the, 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 the poorest parts of America have $300 Air Jordans on their, on their feet because it's yep. a status symbol and it's a, yep. it's, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a working class symbol and that's exactly what this is. And I, I just think is. people that don't get that can, ah, yeah, enjoy, <laughs> enjoy, enjoy your day. <laughs> And on top of that, I think these kids are going to help answer a question left over from Mandalorian. Because Boba picked her up. Fennec Shand picked her right. up on Tatooine. That's true. Who, who did he go to to get her fixed up? Oh, that's a great question. And you know what? I never even thought about that this week. But that you totally. Clearly, there is somebody on Tatooine doing mods. Doing yeah. Mods. Yeah. Yeah, no, yeah, abs- yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and I, you know, uh, he. I, I don't know. I got I, Let's get into it because, yeah. <laughs> all right. That's enough. Okay. So whew, we've got all that out of us now. Not going to say that it's not going to come back up organically throughout the conversation because I know there's a few slides that are going to, that are going to spark some things. However, all right. This is the book of Boba Fandom. This is how we do it right here on Fandom Power. All the lore connections, all the speculation, and all the other things that you've come to expect from the show. <laughs> 
All right, this one is chapter three. It's called The Streets of Moss Espa, debuted on Disney Plus Wednesday, January 12th, 2022. Has a runtime of 39 minutes, even with your credits, or 32 minutes, 17 seconds without. This one, again, does not have a post-credit scene because it's not really a Star Wars thing. Although I'm not convinced that we won't get one by the end of end of the season. I mean, we did we got that uh, well, we got the throne room scene yeah. sequence out of Mandalorian. So once again, written by uh, John Favreau and Robert Rodriguez is back to direct this one. All right, so a couple things I want to I want to put out early on. Uh, I want to talk about Mock Shays before we get into the uh, the actual beat for beat stuff because last week I had said. Uh, or sorry, the week before I had said that I thought that he may have been the real villain behind things that maybe he had worked something out with Bib Fortuna. And I think on some level, there's some truth to that, that he is a, a bigger villain than we thought, but maybe just in a different way. Yeah. I mean, he, if he's, you know, like the, the corrupt politician, so he enables the, uh, the bad guys to be able to, you know, to, if it greases his wheels, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. he allow, you know, he can look different way. Or, or the like uh, Commissioner Gordon in a Batman universe can make it very yes. difficult on the criminals. And, oh yeah, of course. The corrupt he can. cops can make it easy on them. So that's kind of him. He's sort of like the corrupt official, the, the uh, quintessential sort yeah. of corrupt official. And I just want to give props to you, Hank, because if there was ever any doubt uh, leading up to to this episode, it has all been removed. It is, in fact, a Nal Hutti's letter K. It can't be anything else but that because we now learn the name of the Nikto biker gang, and it totally lines up with yes. that letter K. Perfect. All can right. Go back to the title of this episode just for a second. Of course we can. Yeah. Did anybody else sing it in the streets of Laredo? Uh, I did not. No? No. Just me? Should I have? Well, I don't know. <laughs> streets of Philadelphia by Bruce Springsteen. Uh, I was leaning more Johnny Cash, Streets of Laredo. There you go. Streets of Mos Espa. All right, guys, let's break it down. Let's get right into it. Okay, so uh, the episode begins, and we get that opening shot from the marketing material with the Bomar uh, monk. It's a panning shot of the palace, uh, and in the foreground, a six-legged Bomar monk droid scuttles past. It's the same shot that we saw used in the first trailer, giving us a really good look at the palace from an angle that we generally don't see very often. All right. In the throne room. At the same time, though, they don't really give a scale on that thing. No, they don't. I, you know where, what? Though? We're in Jedi. You know, when they walked through, that thing was huge. It's massive. Yeah. This, so, well, they talk. So the 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 Wikipedia talks about there being a couple variations of this, that there is a four-legged version and a six-legged version. Huh. And I'm pretty sure the four-legged version is the, the gig enormous one we saw back in the film. Jedi. Right, right, right. I think this one is a little bit smaller. But again, as you say... Maybe they grow over time. Different species. Uh, maybe, different yeah, different species. Of, yeah, yeah, for sure. It would make sense that way. All right. Uh, in the throne room, an R5 series astromech projects a hollow image of Mos Espa, uh, while 8D8 stands over it, briefing Boba and Fennec on the division of power since the demise of Jabba. Uh, it's kind of a funny little thing here because uh, <laughs> the 8D8 is hesitant to actually, it's okay, you can say his name. <laughs> and he's like yeah and he's like but why potter line like he, he who shall not be named. <laughs> he who shall not be named yeah. yeah yeah why why would i be insulted because you felt threatened <laughs> <laughs> well now i am insulted uh cool little thing though we get this uh we get the division of power uh he highlights the hollow map and explains how the trandoshans had taken over the city center 
while the Aqualish uh, are now in control of the Workers District and the Klatuinians have taken the Starport and the Upper Sprawl. Just before that, he had a version of the map that had all the markers on the businesses specifically controlled by yes. Java. Yes. I, I, w- I was super interested. I sat there and stared. I mean, there's no, like, he can't tell what the businesses are, but I no, was super that's... interested. Like, I want that map. Oh, yeah, big time, big time. But this is a big thing that we've talked about before about the uh, the power vacuum in the absence of Java. And uh, I th- we were kind of misled, I think, because at one point it was like, is his influence like, because they talk about Java's territory, and we just assume, you know, with the line, I am the daimyo of Tatooine, meant, oh, you run the whole planet. But this suggests that no that territories are broken up even smaller than that yeah like there are several yeah i'd, I'd mentioned that in a, in a message earlier in the week yeah it seems like that the uh the districts are quite small and then when he says there's a line where he said uh last episode when he's talking to the mayor if if the daimyo of tatooine deem it so and, yeah uh, like plural like you know like uh like camel is plural without an s you know what i mean like moose moose yeah exactly yeah yeah Um, yeah. and suggesting that you know there's just like say sopranos there's the the new jersey family but there's the florida family too right right of course there is you know while we we like to think that jabba was you know he was literally the guy we were introduced to and yeah you know he's the the crime lord that we uh had in our little sector of the universe that we were privy to but certainly it's a much larger much larger galaxy and and uh, we see that we see that it makes the uh it makes the politics of a of an outer rim world like tatooine far more interesting when you know that there are several uh perhaps several criminal organizations that are all just kind of vying for control well, yeah, right. yeah, yeah 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 I thought it was an uh, an interesting point, though. So interesting to know that that is, uh, like I say, is broken up more than what we thought. And these are just the three that came out on top, right? Right. So who knows who else is still out? Well, see, maybe at one point, maybe when Jabba was alive, maybe the the territory was much larger. And with the the fracture, uh, you know, with his death, maybe sure. that did create a fracture sure. and and did yeah. break things up. And everybody and just I mean- scrambled. He ran it for you know if you go back into the Clone Wars he's he's run, he ran Tatooine for a long time for what we know yeah. I mean, at least yeah, lost yeah, yeah. Aspa uh, he ran it for a long time yeah absolutely at least pre Episode One yeah so continuing eight D eight goes on to say that Bib Fortuna did not have the power that Jabba uh, of Jabba so he relied on uneasy alliances to preserve his tribute and title while lining the pockets of Mock Shays that evil bastard. <laughs> So uh, answers our question about Bib Fortuna having the pull, which he he just did not have it. But I mean, somebody had to have identified that guy as a useful pawn. Yeah. And so the question that the question around that is, was it the mayor who did that, or was it you know we find out the mayor is working for spoiler working for the pikes? I've gotten good at my job over the last thirteen years since I've been a construction supervisor, but I was literally in the room when the guy who was in my position before was fired and the keys were thrown at me. So oh wow, like it could be something that drastic, or or even just as silly, you know. (laughs) You just happened to be right there at the time, right in the, the right guy at the right moment, and you know with some of the qualifications at least you know uh bib has been there for a while yeah, yeah he's yeah, been that's there right. since the phantom menace he's been the major domos for 
40 or so i mean he would right? he would have had that inner he knew where the, the the bodies were buried things yeah like that. yeah exactly right? exactly so that's that's what i kind of as they were explaining it that's that the impression i got was like well, right there's no one else here i might as well sit down <laughs> like you know like yeah 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 so uh taking stock of the information presented to him uh boba asks where does that leave us now when 88 asserts that everyone is waiting to see what kind of leader he is and when Boba questions, uh, what about the assassins? Fennec tells him that the mayor has no power and someone else must be behind them. Naturally, Boba assumes it's the huts and Fennec agrees with him, at least in part, as she offers to ask around on his behalf. The pair aren't stupid and they know that they, if they were to start poking around, the huts would definitely find out about it. So Boba makes the decision to wait it out. So just then, one of the Gamorians interrupts to announce that uh, one of Boba's vassals has arrived. And uh, this week, it's kind of funny because uh, Fennec gets the uh, the city clerk shtick with the, uh, does he have an appointment? <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> the man's name is uh, Lortha Peel, and he's a watermonger from the workers' district come to position, uh, position come to petition uh, the new daimyo. And of course, given life to your, to uh, our, or talks about water taxes and things. Of well, that nature, and like there you go. Right front and center, the water is so water's currency. Absolutely, it is. You cannot say the name Stephen Root without uh, you know associating it with Milton from Office Space. So good. I mean, and, the man. And that's how the week started with all kinds of Milton memes and stuff. Oh, I, I know. It was yeah, be exactly. A great ride until they yeah, yeah. all of the other thing. <laughs> but but I was told that I could broker water at a reasonable volume between the hours of nine and eleven. Love it. <laughs> Love it. I want to talk a little bit more about him because there's a great little nuanced performance from him here in a couple seconds. But uh, for anybody else who's uh, not aware of, I mean, uh, Stephen Root has this like the man has like a like huge list of credits i did not even try to list them all uh lots of film and television of course like i say office space probably the one that everybody jumps to but uh played mildew in uh, dragon riders of burke and most recently was the voice of cringer in the new masters of the universe revelation on netflix so glad to have him now part of the uh part of the star wars universe Mm -hmm. so uh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Stephen Root's character, um, um, Lortha, goes on to say that uh, no one respects you. And at that, AD8 literally blows a circuit, yelling at him, that's enough. Uh, but Boba allows him to continue. According to the watermonger, the streets have become quite chaotic since uh, Bib Fortuna's demise. I think that's kind of suggestive that uh, it's been a, maybe a little bit more time between the ending of season two of The Mandalorian and the start of uh, this show, because... You know, as we saw at the end of the Mandalorian, he walks in, literally blasts him, and dumps him out of the out of the seat. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it, you know, how much time has passed for the word to get around that uh, Bib's no longer around, and now the streets have decayed into a, a, a worse state of lawlessness? Yeah, I mean, it it, it could happen overnight. You know, I suppose it could. Uh, like, like words words get so fast. There's a very there's a nuance to the scene that's coming up with the huts and the uh, the big monster there. Yeah, uh, that yeah, I yeah. Want to talk about, uh, and it, it's kind of like that. It's kind of about the same thing. Yeah. All right. So Boba casually tells the watermonger that uh, this is the first time he's heard of it, but Lortha uh, keeps going on, 
and he lays it on thick, telling him that uh, I'm insulted on your behalf <laughs> at, the dis- at the disrespect that's been shown to you. Interrupting the watermonger, Fennec thanks the man for his insight and uh, tells him that uh, they'll look into it. Uh, but Lortha isn't quite done yet. It turns out that a street gang has robbed him of a quantity of water. Doubling down on his uh, patronage stick, the man says that this has never happened before under any of the other daimyos. And once again, he's insulted on Boba's behalf. He says that the gang has taken to uh, body modification, replacing parts of themselves with droid parts to become more formidable, adding that uh, he will double his tribute if Boba would rid the streets of their scourge. And this is where it gets interesting because I can't recall... I want to talk about, I mean, the cyborg thing is going to come up uh, repeatedly this episode, but is this, is this the first time we've seen somebody have this kind of reaction? Cause like, he's like loathing of the idea that there are people out there that would want to alter their body like that. Yeah. Right. Um, it was never a thing back in the original, like you lost a hand, you got a replacement. Well, I mean, we, we've seen that with, uh, I mean, there's the example Anakin, with, Luke. with Luke Scott. Well, so wait, now I don't, I didn't throw Anakin in there because there's a, there's a, the distinction here. And this is what I want to touch on is there's a difference between having something done as a medical procedure because you, you needed it. Yeah. Luke Skywalker got a prosthetic hand because he needed it. Darth Vader got, uh, or Anakin Skywalker got a new body because he needed it to, to live. I want to talk about the idea of voluntary cyborgs in the Star Wars universe. And I mean, I've, I've, there's a couple out there. I mean, the, at the most basic level, you've got a guy like Lobot, who's basically got a computer strapped to his brain. General Grievous, full conversion. I mean, he's a, he's a bag of organs in a, in a droid body. Yeah. And then Dengar, of course, who, who goes on to survive right up to and including the rise of Skywalker. Um, I, I never a lot of this uneasiness could be based in the fact that we've just gone through a a, 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 a clone war and, and possibly the bad guys were the droids were droids yeah so, yeah, uh, yeah. Or, you know depending on your point of view right certain point of view but so, well by now what clone wars is passed by 20 at least yeah uh 25 27 27 yeah. years he's an older character so he's that, that he could have been a young kid he could have right. been a very young kid at the end of the war so and that you know there's a lot of a lot of things can be you know you don't like what you like you you don't like you see yourself in others or you don't you know so there's a lot of that stuff but i could see how somebody just like dinjarin is uneasy of droids in general i could see general taking that to the next level why would you ever want to do that to your body sure sure that's a viable uneasiness for me yeah 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 well that's that's fair enough i just thought what an interesting thing because i don't think that star wars has really explored that before i think it's and it's like i said it's such a nuanced thing from from steven's performance but it really comes through like that there's there's definitely like a you can tell on the look on his face just how much he abhors the idea of it and i thought well that was interesting i think the concept is a bit foreign though because we have nothing that would technically improve us yet i mean we got well not to that level no no, like we have nothing that'll increase our strength or make us faster whatever yeah yeah as soon as that's out there and available, it's going to go up. Yeah. I mean, the, we already have the, the, the rate that technology, and I'm talking like real world technology is advancing. We already have the, the jokes about, you know, the Skynet jokes and the, yep. 
you know, the, the next, uh, what the, they say, the next, uh, what is it? Uh, they're basically saying that the, the, the technology is going to create a singularity and <laughs> it's well, we just got like, dogs in star Wars. I mean, hey. yes, we do. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Boston dynamics for putting your real robots in star Wars. Yep. All right. Well, moving on then next, we get a, an upward panning shot of uh, Mos Espa at night. The city center twinkles from artificial light, and the central tower is aglow with a red beacon. I want to see that from directly above. Yeah, I would like to see that too. I want to know the, if there's like a symbol or something with those the more the, the concentric rings. It kind of does look like there's something there, doesn't it? A little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Down at street level, uh, Boba Fennec and the two Gamorians walk down an alley, and when the group rounds a corner, they spot their quarry at the opposite end of the street. A band of cybernetic augmented youth loiter around a burn barrel. As one of the youths drinks from a flask, Boba asks him, where did you get that water? A young woman turns and nonchalantly replies, we stole it. Boba tells them that stealing is a crime. But another youth, this time one of the young men, interrupts him, uh, telling them that what the the water monger charges for water is a crime. After the gang uh, tells him to essentially piss off, Boba informs them of who he is, and he will have order in his territory. But these kids don't care. They just see another crime boss that doesn't care about them, going so far as to question why would the daimyo allow the watermonger to charge a month's wages for a week's worth of water when there are no wages to be had? Sounds like an Uncar Plut situation. It really does sound like that, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah. All right, so I mean, we talked about this early at the beginning of the episode, just to get it over with. I mean, the mod culture—it's unmistakable here, especially with the scooters. I mean, you can see them kind of well, not in this scene. You can kind of see them parked around the corner there. But anyway, just uh, yeah. So the mod culture, uh, sort of a, mod, a subculture of uh, 1960s London, and it was a movement focused on uh, music and fashion. And as we already said. I still can't get over how many people the, the double meaning, the modification, the cyberpunk thing was lost on them. Mm. But uh, yeah, I thought it worked uh, pretty well. I mean, even if he's going for like a slight nod to his spy kids stuff. Oh yeah. Which he could very well be doing which, that yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, I've well, heard the, uh, the analogy, like people call it Teletubbies, but what what's wrong with <laughs> yeah. a nod to Voltron or a nod to the Power Rangers or something like more akin to that? What are you talking about? Right? A nod to Voltron. Right? Why, how is that offensive to anybody that likes anything that's cool? Uh, it's yeah. not. I think it's <laughs> right? neat. Andy had said it. He's like, we're only one Vespa short of a, of a Foreman Voltron here. Right? Yeah. yeah. Put Boba on a Rancor and we got it. There you go. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. So uh, we only uh, two of the mods, only two of them uh, have speaking parts this week. And I want to talk about them for a second. We have... Um, uh, Sophie Thatcher, who is our, our young lady. Uh, now she uh, plays, uh, in a series, like I said, she plays in a series called uh, yellow jackets. Uh, she plays a character, Natalie. She was the younger version of Natalie, a role that she shares with uh, Juliette Lewis. And, uh, the series is about a girl's high school soccer team that's involved in a plane crash and, uh, their survival in the wilderness over a period of 18 months. So kind of a Lord of the Flies vibe thing going on there. Mm. She also played young Regan for two episodes of the Exorcist television series. Of course, she shared that role with uh, Gina Davis. Now, our other fellow here, Jordan Bolger, that's uh, Cameron the bartender, as I said, from the Tom and Jerry uh, movie, also plays uh, Isaiah Jesus in uh, 
Peaky Blinders, the British period crime drama based on a real-life gang of the same name. All right, so uh, Boba asserts that they're in the workers' district and they should be working, but the young woman throws her arms up in frustration, exclaiming, look around, there is no work. So removing his helmet to uh, look the gang in the eye, he tells them all, then you work for me. All right. There's a thing here where he says, you better fight better than you talk dank. He does say that. Yeah, so yeah. When, we, when we're saying dank ferric, we know what the dank part means now. Now we do. Yeah, right? yeah, so, yeah. Oh, we need Quit talking dank. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> that's great. There's yeah, another yeah. one coming up too. Yeah. Uh, actually, it's this scene. He tells them to go get their gack. Yes. You guys know what that is? Uh, that's on that's a that's an uh a crew term for uh it started with a new hope back when it was star wars it's a crew term for the the greebles and the bobbles and the junk that oh. lies around the set and the things that make it look like it's an old immersed that. world and okay. yeah it tells them to get their gack and come with them all that's part awesome. of the the world that's building so yeah wicked. yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Well, just then the watermonger bursts onto the scene in a rage and he yells at the assemblage saying that they stole from me and you're just going to let them away with it. And Boba asks Lortho, what do they owe you? And uh, when he says 1300 credits, he orders Fennec to give him just 500 instead. Yeah. And the man, the man protests insisting that they owe him the full 1300, but Boba tells him, I heard you the first time adding, take the 500 and consider the matter resolved. The gang members, and it's very subtle here, the gang members look on in awe, perhaps with a newfound respect for their new employer. Right. And as Boba goes to leave, he offers one more piece of advice to the watermonger, ordering him to lower his prices if he wants to continue doing business uh, in his territory. If you don't like it, you can move to Moss Eisley. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Telling the gang to gather their gack and follow him, and they all turn to leave. Wicked. All right. So just another uh, line there that suggests to us that uh, Jabba's influence may not have been planetary or it was and got busted up. Yeah, that's that's probably more likely See, because we, we did see the level of influence he had during the Clone Wars where like Jedi would have to respond. Sure, to sure. Ways, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like the whole Vespa thing. I mean, I, again, I've, I've already said it many, many times. And, and when you, when you roll it up against the whole idea of 1960s mod culture, when you know that it, there's a fashion component, I mean, look at those guys, you, you can't tell me that they don't just exude this stuff. Sure. And there's a scene coming up that eclipses the fact that they even ride these bikes. Since when is Luke yep. Skywalker, his X-Wing? Since when is Han Solo, the Millennium Falcon? Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. One. They're right. accessories. They are absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Move forward. <laughs> All right, we finally get our title cards. Uh, another one. I mean, these uh, the these prologues, man, they're long. <laughs> they're informative. Oh, they sure they sure are. All right, this this uh, scene, this next scene is really really cool. We get a, a fade in shot of the exterior uh, exterior of Boba's palace. A wart is uh, sitting unflinching as a scurrier pops past uh, suddenly alerted to something the mouse-like creature begins to run away but it's snatched up by a swooping creature that resembles a bat yeah but in a in a full circle of life moment the wart looses its tongue ensnaring both the scurrier and what i believe to be a sand bat 
Yes. There's always so, a bigger fish. We talked about uh, the warts already. They came up uh, in the last episode when they, they startled one out of the, mm. out of the sand. But um, Scurriers, Scurriers uh, first appeared uh, in A New Hope in the special edition when Luke uh, drove over a bunch of them in his land speeder. And, well, he didn't run them over, but no. he passed over top over of them. Top. And they kind of scattered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Endpoints. So the sand bat thing, this scene is it's so fast. It like is. I would need some real, like professional video editing software to get it slowed down anymore. Um, but frame by framing it, uh, that's the best I could come up with. At first, I thought it was a bird because of the screech. Uh, but then when you when you kind of get a better look at it, it definitely has uh, leathery wings. Yeah. So. I think it's a sand bat, uh, which were first mentioned back in uh, the original Marvel run, uh, nine, number 17, back in 1977. Oh, and the, the image uh, here is actually out of the uh, Star Wars Old Republic uh, MMO. So nice, there you nice. go. Somebody put this uh, side by side with the uh, Return of the Jedi scene. And the only difference, like even the tongue strikes at the same time. Yeah. The, uh, the difference is the burp is delayed in the new one by about five more seconds. Well, and the fact that it burp. it's eating two creatures at once, <laughs> I think that's kind of cool. Mouthful. <laughs> that you know, as I was going through trying to, to clip these images, I actually got it to freeze up where the wart's mouth is still open, and you can see the snout of the scurrier poking out. I'm like, oh, that's that's kind of grim. Maybe I don't want to go with that that one. All right. Oh, I can't wait. I want to talk about this quite a bit, actually. Okay, we're going to move on now. Uh, cutting to Boba's chambers, we see the Bactopod and uh, Boba lying within. His eyes twitch, and uh, we can see rain begin to hit the lid as the shot transitions to another dream sequence back on Kamino. Uh, so outside of young Boba's room, Slave One lifts off from a landing pad, and as the ship passes the window, the boy jumps out of bed and runs across his room, watching his father's ship as it pulls away from Topoka City. Placing his hand on the window, Boba stares as the ship climbs above the raging storm. This is the second time now that we've gotten this sequence, and it's a little longer this time. Yeah. Could it be that this is the time when Django left to assassinate? You know, I'm I'm really racking my brain on this because if one thing, see, this is this is the one thing that doesn't line up nicely like the other portions of the dreams do because all the other dream stuff surrounding the Tuscans informs what's going on in the present. I mean, and that, that really is going to hit home here with this episode with the whole relationship to the Pikes. Yeah. But the dream sequences around at first, I thought the dream sequences like at the, the Geonosis arena and the Camino stuff was just a way to, to tell us that he's still grieving the loss of his father, that, 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 <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a joke, but the, the absentee parent thing has really, it's, it's done a number on him. Like, think about it. The, the, yeah, the closest it's, it's thing. To he, illustrate that it's one of the foundations of his character. Absolutely. It is. Right? It's like one of the, the, the pegs of, of his character that it stands on. So, and, and is, so is the, uh, so is the Tuscan Raider thing now, you know? Yeah. And so, is well, the, yes. Right. So, and it's, I think it's, it's sort of juxtaposing that. The, the first Peggy stood on and then the, maybe the newest Peggy well, standing on. There is that, that too. Gap, Especially knowing what's about to happen to his new adoptive family. I mean, experiencing the loss of, of his father uh, first person, sorry, firsthand being in the arena and witnessing that. And then now, as we're about to find out as he rides up on the new 
on the camp and, and kind of walks into that scene. Like, yeah, but I have a question though. Is there something else going on with these uh, childhood Boba shots? Are they setting up something, uh, something more that, that is going to be reflected in the, in the Mandoverse present that we're just not aware of yet because, and and the rumblings are out there and, and you can't avoid them, but the big one is, is there, you know, are we going to get a tie in to either attack of the clones? So are we going to get some kind of like, you know, are we going to get a live action version of him? You know, uh, that the helmet bomb thing, you know, some of that indicating that he's going to pursue, you know, the Mace Windu connection or the other one is, are we going to get, you know, more with, uh, perhaps Ton Wee and the, and the Kaminoans who essentially were his caretaker every time Django left Camino. Mm-hmm. You know, given what we know about uh, the the cloners uh, through what happened in the Bad Batch, I mean, is there some connective tissue there that maybe they're building towards? Or are we going to get something right out of left field and we're going to find out that he did know about Omega? Well, there is that too. There is that too. I mean, with it being a a reuse and a, a longer version of a shot that we've already seen, you know, in a week's time, could we see that scene extend even farther and he's not the only kid in that room? <clears throat> you know I think it's I mean? a thematic device to to remind uh, us where he's grounded. Yes, I I think it's definitely that. I just question: is there something else there? And and maybe again, that's part of me. Maybe that's my transference wanting <laughs> something more. But don't so we all? It's the only place we've gotten the slave one. <laughs> it is the only oh, the I only place. See a Starfighter battle. Come on. Yes. I definitely, I mean, you can't have the, you can't have Star Wars without the stars or the wars. And, uh, we've had very little of that. That was something I put up earlier on in my <clears> notes <throat> as something I wanted to talk about. And then I thought, no, no, Mandalorian already kind of blew that out of the water, but Star Wars, at least the, fil- the films have been, uh, sort of three set pieces, right? That's, yes. that's how they've done it. It's basically, you know, uh, in, in, uh, on planet on ship and. In A New Hope, it was Tatooine was one environment. The uh, Yavin uh, rebel base was another environment. And then the space battle was the third environment. And then in Empire, it was, you know, Hoth, Dagobah, and and, uh, uh, Cloud City. Ah, true. Right. And then Jedi, uh, Jedi was Tatooine again. Mm -hmm. And then uh, um, uh, Endor, and then the fleet battle. So... But Mandalorian kind of blew that out of the water because, I mean, we're telling a much longer story. So the whole three environment thing kind of went out. But uh, other than the dream sequences, we haven't been anywhere else in the Boba Fett series yet. Camino and Tatooine. And only through dreams is what I'm getting at. Like, are we going to go anywhere else in season one of Boba Fett? I think he's got enough to deal with. Trying to set up the family. Yeah. Okay. That's a fair assessment. All right. Get your stuff in order at home before you go traipsing off world. Definitely. That's fair enough. Okay. So um, as the rain, uh, what was I saying? As the rain hits the window of the young Boba Fett's room, this, this scene, uh, the scene, oh my Lord. As the rain hits the window of young Boba's room, the scene transitions for a moment back to adult Boba, still sleeping in the back of the pod before settling on the newly minted Tuscan Boba astride a bantha. Now, riding out of the camp, Boba gestures to virtually everyone in the camp as he departs on an important journey. Okay. Watching it the first time through, not knowing what was about to happen, I was like, oh, he's just, that's, 
we're all buddies now. Yo, dude, see you later. I'll be back. Yeah, cool. Bye-bye. But on the rewatch, knowing what was happening, there's this huge, like, gut punch of, like, oh, my God. He doesn't. This is the last time that he's having any contact with any of these people. Oh, never know. Heartbreaking. Well, we'll talk about that in a little bit, too, because uh, that's another question for me. All right. After a long ride, Boba arrives at Moss Eisley. All right. So I just put this up here just for uh, reference sake that uh, according to the map of Tatooine from uh, Star Wars Complete Locations, the 2016 version, Moss Espa and Moss Eisley are about 140, 140 kilometers apart, which makes that a very serious ride uh, on a Bantha. Yeah. You're not doing that uh, in one day. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you know, the average person can what, you know, uh, 30, 30 K a day. If you're, you know, 30 or 40 K a day, if you're lucky Mm -hmm. mounted, maybe a little more (laughs) in tough shape, but lots of water. Yeah. 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 Interestingly enough, the book, uh, complete locations, it's a reprint, uh, of the, uh, book of the same name from 2005, but it's been updated with new Canon entries for all of the Disney era stuff. Um, but they didn't change the map. Hmm. All right. So stopping for a moment, Boba asks a pair of Jawas where the Pikes conduct their business in town. And the Jawas chatter amongst themselves for a moment and then point down the street. As Boba rides further into town, we see uh, a local placing a stormtrooper helmet on the, uh, on a Pike. Now, um, big visual cue here. And we've talked about sort of timeline where things are maybe lining up. This almost certainly puts us right around uh, the time of uh, Mandalorian season one, chapter five, the gunslinger, the gunslinger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The episode right. in which uh, Fennec is left for dead. Yeah. We get a set. Uh, um, I was going to say here, we got your slide here, Andy. Um, because as uh, Mando pulls or Mando, <laughs> as Boba pulls away, we get this, uh, uh, we get a shot here of a very familiar mechanic along with her three pit droids passing by on a uh, lower street uh, in the opposite direction. Now she's not credited, so I don't know if it was actually A.B. Sedaris, but. It doesn't have to be. I it's mean, it, it could have been. So. I mean, certainly I had a good look at the face as, as good as I could, and it looked almost like digitally blurred. Mm. Yeah. So, you know, here, put on this costume, walk that way. Yeah. Here's a wig. But it's great because it just informs us a little bit more about where things are. And now things are starting to to line up, I guess. Pull some strings together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Arriving at the Pike's low-lying office building, uh, Boba dismounts and ties off his bantha. Uh, and there's another stroking the cat moment there. Yeah. Uh, declaring to the two guards outside he has business inside and they let him pass. Now face-to-face with the Pike Syndicate representative for Tatooine, or at least Mos Eisley, the man acknowledges that uh, protection arrangements are all part of doing business. Satisfied with that, Boba tells him that he'll take the payment and be on his way. But the Pike tells Boba that his superiors on Obadiah are not are unwilling to pay more than one party. Boba tells the man that they are one party, and he's collecting on behalf of the Tuscans of the DNC. But the Pike tells him that, well, the Kintan Striders have already collected the protection money for the same territory. Oh, say Boba that tells, 
the Kintan Striders. Oh, that sounds like it starts with a K. <laughs> it sure does. Quick. Yeah. Uh, and so superficially, I'm going to talk about this a little bit more, but superficially, remember last week we were talking uh, sort of about their, I mean, I went way on that rabbit hole thing with the, with the, the, the clone and the, the, the Rancor Battalion, all that. And you were right. I mean, this is just low level, just regular thugs, just a biker gang out there doing their thing. But I got a theory that I'm going to pull out here a little bit later on. So we'll, we're going to come back to that. Cool. So uh, Boba tells the Pike that uh, he doesn't have to pay that speeder gang because the Tuscans outnumber them, adding that the sands have belonged to the Tuscans since the oceans dried up. Not phased in the least, the Pike tells Boba that the syndicate is happy to do business with either party, but they are unwilling to be taken advantage of by paying the same protection money twice over. Boba tells the man that he will deal with the speeder gang and they will not hear from the Nikto gang again. All right. So uh, I, I went back to last week's episode and I kind of played it back and forth and I don't think it's the same guy that they told to walk. I think this no. is a different, a different character. Yeah. Yes. Higher up on the chain anyway. Yeah. And uh, this, this gentleman is a veteran actor, Phil Lamar. Back yeah, again. Yeah. Yeah both uh, uh, in front of the camera and in the sound booth. Um, obviously, uh, Phil Lamar uh, rose to prominence through Mad TV, uh, appearing in 112 episodes, of which he wrote 55 of them. Um, and then, of course, he, uh, Hermes from Futurama. And, Hermes uh, Conrad. Yeah, yeah. And the John Stewart Green Lantern, which uh, every time I hear Phil Lamar, it doesn't matter what he's doing, he, it's the, I hear the Green Lantern. <laughs> Most recently, though, uh, Bad Batch, he was in there. Uh, who was he in the Bad Batch? Uh, the he was on uh, the Twilight Planet. He was. Uh, was he the uncle? I believe so. Was he Gobi? Maybe. Possibly. Maybe he was okay. in there though. Yeah, he was the bad one. You're definitely right. I can hear his voice now, and I'm just thinking, my lord, who was he? Funny, I didn't make that connection. Okay. All right. Well then. Uh, so riding out of Mos Eisley, Boba once again crosses the expansive Dune Sea. Pausing for a moment, Boba throws back the hood of his cloak to get a, a better look uh, at a dune off in the distance. Now, the music changes, and we get this huge audio cue that uh, something ominous has happened while Boba spots a plume of smoke rising over the ridge. And that's never good. Uh, so there, the whole musical thing here in this sequence is really cool because it, it's playing this like... It's almost like, you know, uh, at the end of, remember Incredible Hulk? And I'm talking like the same yeah, yeah, yeah. Hulk, Lon like, Lonely Man? Do, do, do. So like Lonely Man theme? Yeah. I get Lonely Man theme vibes off of this as he's riding across the desert, right? Yeah, but yeah. then he rolls up onto the, the dune with the smoke and it changes and it becomes almost, not sinister, but ominous. Yeah. It just has this tonal change where you're like, uh-oh. Does it still... I did not compare side by side, but does it not have like a similar tone to when Luke rolled up? Oh, you know, what? on uh, Aunt Beru and Uncle Owen. Come to think of it, I'm not sure. Because that's I want to say that they actually style. used. I want to say that they used Luke's theme, but they slowed it right down. But I could be wrong. Mm -hmm. Okay, dismounted from his bantha, uh, Boba runs down uh, the other side of the dune, staggering to a halt at the realization that it's too late. The Tuscan camp that had just become his new home has been razed to the ground and his new family has been massacred. Not a man, woman, child, or bantha has been left alive. 
And uh, they they make a point to uh, now it's you got to look for it, but they make a point of pointing out that there is a wrecked speeder. Yeah, um, I got a theory. To Indy, I have a theory too. I bet you we look have the same theory. Daffy sticks everywhere. There's Bantha tracks. Yeah. 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 Exactly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that. Well, yes, exactly. All right. So as the camera pulls back, the ominous chant. So- uh, now changes to something more melancholy. And as Boba surveys uh, the massacre, several Tuscan bodies are, are laying propped up against wooden posts. Outside the uh, communal tent, the chief's body lay just a few feet away, and uh, on the tent itself is clearly marked the double L, the symbol of the Kintan Striders. So, and this is where, um, take it on the nose, everybody, uh, descriptive audio lady, who, by the way... I still say is very exquisite the way she narrates this thing. Man, it's great. Yeah. She calls it a Hutties symbol. So kudos to you, Hank. You nailed it Woo. first time out. All right. Um, with the sun setting, Boba sets about to collect the bodies, placing them on a ceremonial funeral pile uh, pyre. All right. And uh, Luke-esque moment. If this, and I can't believe that this, oh man, I can't even believe that this came up uh, this week. People were like confused thinking that he was burning his own gear. No. Did you catch anything on that? I did not. No. Uh, no. I no. saw a thing and I'm I like, that Wait, no. No. Well, if you paid attention during the, uh, the first one where they were getting shot from the train. Yeah. That's what they did. They piled them up and. Yes. Yes. They funeral pired them all. <laughs> I did read one article where they, they claim that the child stick was a piece of his stick. From I read that stick. too. <laughs> like, I mean, just, are you not watching it at all? Well, are you? fortunately, <laughs> you know, and the, th- the funny thing is that all those people that the, the people that were kind of uh, the, the gatekeepers were gatekeeping are probably uh-huh. not fans, not fans of our show. But uh, for those of you that are, I have a good little visual here for you, just so we can all put to rest exactly what got put on the fire and who, right. what belonged to whom. Right. Right. <laughs> we have the chiefs, ceremonial gaffy we have the warriors uh badass gaffy and the boys stick so no boba did not burn his own gear he uh, ceremoniously disposed of (laughs) and this solidifies that whole family thing for me right yeah so not only are these the only i shouldn't say the only but these are the three characters that he had the most interaction with right but again, like I once he gained the respect of absolutely, and and I I had said right from the beginning, I thought that these three were a family, and I still maintain that. Yes, if yeah. we never see, uh, well, we know one of them is dead for sure. If we never see the other two ever again, um, I'm I'm gonna I'll take it to my grave that they were a family. Yeah, I'm holding out hope. Well, here it is, right? I I get this. I this is where I really struggle with it because. I have to say, this is probably the most emotionally intense piece of Star Wars I've ever, ever watched. And uh, I'm not going to lie, man. Uh, as a little, uh, as a little, uh, my allergies were really acting up. Yeah, that yeah, day. yeah. No, I guess and uh, it really does, though. Oh, so because he stops on the kid's stick, like you know, we don't know how long more. he's been with him, but like that was the stick he was getting right, the head right, with right, when right. he got there. I mean, if the lines can be blurred between uh, the 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 state of the city falling into lawlessness, then the lines can also be blurred with how long he actually spent with that tribe. There could right, be tons yeah. of off camera. I always, always in my head keep going back to the uh, end of Rebels and Dave Filoni's, uh, you know, 
and with, in conjunction, sorry, with the end of Rebels, the prologue of Rebels, and it yeah, uh, in yeah, 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 the Ahsoka Tano episode of right. uh, Mandalorian season two, yeah, yep. where he said, "Don't assume." That yeah, don't assume that anything. Yeah, exactly. For you. Yeah, and yeah, so for sure. I, that just that little statement. I I, uh, I put that lens up all the time. Uh, yeah, you kind of have to. Right. You, yeah. you kind of have to because it, the lines are, uh, they're kind of blurred here on this one. Yeah. Nothing is as clear as maybe you want it to be. Um, but then does it really have to be? Because it, it for, for, uh, storytelling purposes and, and for, as plot devices go, uh, I think everything's working just fine. Right. Yeah. Do we really need a 45 minute show of him going back to the desert? Well, those little water pods? No. Right. And so here's, here's where I struggle because, on one hand, I feel like the the symbology of the sticks is all we need. And, you know, you can say that, oh, it's the Disney era of Star Wars. But do we really need to see dead women and children? No. You've mm. already seen enough dead Tuscan Raiders laying there and propped to, up against To get stuff. the point. And the, the ceremonial burning, I think, is the message to take away that yeah. this is what's happened. But... The optimist uh, or the conspiracy theorist part of me goes, there's no bodies. There's still a chance. <laughs> so yeah. I am I am holding a candle. No matter how dim it is, I have a little bitty, little tiny, weeny, weeny, mini, mini candle that hopes beyond hope that when we have that final showdown with the Nictos, and boy, by the way, it's coming. Yep. Right. Could the warrior and or the boy be found alive? Yeah, like he's... Uh, jump ahead to the end of the episode we're going to war <laughs> well there He's you go need warriors like right there ah, so yeah. that's enough uh hope for me fair enough okay so um as boba leads his uh bantha away from the camp the screen flashes and we're back in the back to pod uh, without completing the cycle or emptying the pod, the lid is tossed open, spilling the healing fluid all out onto the floor. And before Boba can even open his eyes, a pair of furry arms snatch the would-be crime lord from his slumber, tossing him across the room. And it's Black Crescenton. Oh, so Come to play. Awakening. We didn't uh, have to wait five minutes for it. <laughs> <laughs> no. Uh, we didn't touch on this last week, but uh, Black Crescenton, played by Carrie uh, Jones. Carrie Jones has a, an amazing uh, list of credits as a, a makeup artist, having participated in all three Walking Dead series, uh, Lovecraft Country, The New Mutants, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Preacher, Legion, and a whole lot more. Wow. But at uh, six foot seven, uh, he's a great candidate to play bigger characters. And so some of his on-screen uh, appearances include the tracker Predator from uh, Predators, uh, plays Akor in the Orville, and he was the uh, Scarecrow in uh, Creepshow. Now, is Akor the one on the far side there? Yes, that's Akor on the, the right-hand side. Uh, just seems heavily influenced by uh, Ludo. Ludo. Yeah. <laughs> Ludo said. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um Anybody want to talk about uh, the level or lack of security at the palace right now? So, okay. Uh, Gamorrean guards getting you to talk him to. Yes. Now, there's, a, there's a, I got a lot. There's a lot going on in the scene. Yeah, sure. Um, uh, we're not way up in that tower that we thought we were in. Yeah, I'm beginning to okay. think. Yeah. Yeah. There's, like, he literally, 
tackles them. We'll get to it, but he literally tackles them. They roll down a flight of steps, and boom, they're in the throne room. One more little set of steps down yep. a small hall. But we're yep. only one level up or maybe even two levels up from the throne. We're, yeah. we're still inside because we know that we come through that big so. chamber. Yeah. Yep. And we go down that winding set of steps and we're in the throne room. We've, we've walked that walk several yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, where was I going, though? Uh, <clears throat> Security within the palace. For me, so Black Chris, uh, uh, and and Boba have both worked yeah. for Jabba time and time and time again. Uh, Maybe they know their way and, around the, the right, building. Yes, sure. anybody, okay. uh, his top two guys or even his top ten guys probably sure. know how to get into the palace unannounced. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, even if it's just to pick up a job and leave without the the rabble knowing. So for me, that's him using inside knowledge. Absolutely, that's both right, right, right. his arse a little bit. I'm gonna. I don't know if I'm 100 percent settled on that they're not. I still there's a part of me that still wants to say that they're in the tower because going back and watching the fight uh, when when he tackles the two Gamorians it's a circular staircase and there's a whole bunch of stairs that they don't even touch. Like there's a, a period of flight before they hit the stairs and then tumble in. Yeah. It could just be, it could be just a set building thing. Like, but I'm not, I'm just, I'm not a hundred percent sure exactly where they are. It's based yeah. on the original shot of Boba and Fennec low overlook. I just assumed they, they were in the like tower. Yeah. High up. Yeah. If we, right. if we stick to that, and I'm not saying that we have to, but if we stick to that, I just assume this goes back to the whole like uh, Wookiees uh, at least uh, have uh, retractable claws, and he just scaled the outside of the tower and came in through the window. Oh, yeah. I mean that's entirely possible. Yeah, it's probably yeah. the uh, preferred bounty hunter's uh, <laughs> secret door, I would imagine. And uh, no rifle this time. No, no, uh, no, uh, blaster weapons. Yeah. Yeah. But they did go out of their way to put those knuckles. They on. sure did. They got, we got yeah. a good look at those a couple times this week, mm. actually. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, if I do have one little gripe and again, it's Disney era star Wars. Sure. Oh, and I mean, Din Djarin bled a little when we pulled his helmet off and oh, yeah, 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 yeah. He was pretty banged up in there. Yeah. Boba takes a couple and most notably the, the, the shot to the jaw with the spiky. The, oh yeah. Knuckles, yeah. 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 And doesn't spill a drop of blood. He gets um, tossed it, across the room at least three times. Is our man Boba like literally tougher than we think? Like, or is he just full of formaldehyde and uh, Bacta now? Like, he just I mean, runs on maybe, the stuff. Maybe. Um, I just, I mean, like, he's taken a few shots over the course of the three episodes now, and yep. and showed very few scuffs. If you if you follow, like, it, it could be the skin. Is he rolling with the punch? Maybe this is the uh, you know with the 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 whole take the helmet off and you take away the mystique. But if you yeah. if you don't let the man bleed, then you maintain an air of that like as you say, he's a tough guy. Right, right, right. Yeah. Like, but is yeah. he Wookie tough? <laughs> is I mean, he really Wookie tough when that, I mean uh, ripping yeah. arms off of other beings? Do the beats of the fight. Do it. <laughs> well, we're we're gonna get there. Uh, okay. So as I've named these uh, rounds one through round one. rounds one right. through six. Now, technically it's seven because tearing him out of the, the, the pod counts as the, really the actual first round, but let's ring the bell. It does. Okay. Round one, Initiative. wet and dis- <laughs> wet and disoriented. Boba tries to take black chrysanthemum down at the knees, but is easily picked up and tossed aside crashing into his armor stand. Boba tries to activate a missile launching wrist gauntlet, 
but as he turns to aim it, Chrysanthemum is on him and lays him out squarely with the electrified brass knuckles. Oh, crazy punch. Grasping for his gaffy stick, Boba manages to land a pair of stunning blows, which allow him to get back to his feet. And with the Wookiee dazed for just a moment, Boba drives the hooked end into his back. So it's a good thing he's covered in fur, otherwise you'd see some blood there. Well, you would think, anyway. Round two. (laughs) With the gaffy lodged in his back, Black Chrysanthemum takes a backhanded swing, sending Boba sprawling several feet away. Now, that's the second time he's been, uh, a third time he's been lobbed around now. Yeah. As Boba tries to get back to his feet, Chrysanthemum hoists him off the floor, clenching him in a deadly bear hug. Fighting for his life, Boba lands several blows to the Wookiee's temples, trying to break his assailant's hold uh, by forcing his head back. But uh, Chrysanthemum, unwavered by the maneuver, bites his hand instead. Yeah. Unable to draw breath, Boba's counterattack stalls out and he begins to fade. Fortunately for him, help has he arrived. Locates a toe in this scene. Too. I kind of thought that <laughs> that was really up there. <laughs> like, is that natural? Yeah, he's acting the crap out of that being strangled by a Wookiee. So, did anybody else? Did this remind you of the the uh, original fight uh, from the Six Million Dollar Man series? If you're familiar with with, it, uh, with Bigfoot. Bigfoot, yeah, and just yeah, yeah. The, the giant, the, the slow motion stuff that Bigfoot was doing in those fights. <laughs> Just to make it look a little bit more elaborate, you know, uh, I had heavy um, sort of uh, memories of that while I was watching. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's evocative of that stuff. Yeah. All right. So unable to draw breath, Boba's counterattack stalls out. He begins to fade. Fortunately for him, help has arrived in the form of Drash and the rest of the mods. uh, And she quickly flicks open her vibro stiletto, stabbing Chrysanthemum in the back. Mm -hmm. Round, Round three. (laughs) <laughs> the mods quickly surround Chrysanthemum and they begin working him over with various weapons. A nameless blonde man ties up one of his arms with an electrified chain while Drash goes in for another attack with her knife. That first he, one, when she sticks him, she ducks yeah. his, she, she ducks oh, yeah. his big yeah, backhand yeah. there. She, she like, pulls a, she yeah, pulls a she, Neo with the, uh, the back flip or not yeah, a flip. She's pretty, but the, she's pretty deft at combat with the limbo. Yeah. Um, yeah, name, nameless blonde man ties up one of the arms with an electrified chain. Drash goes in for another attack with her knife, but the attack skips harmlessly off the Wookiee's chest armor. At the same time, Scad shoots the gladiator several times in the back with a small blaster pistol. But Chrysanthemum is a mountain of a Wookiee, and he shrugs off the blasts while simultaneously batting Scad aside with his free arm. So there's a sound here when he's shooting at him with that little pea shooter. Yep. Now, I know it's not a mighty blaster, but we hear this. I, I think it's a very familiar patang, patang, like patang a, kind of sound. Like and I'm wondering if he hasn't got Beskar on. Oh, you mean Chrysanthemum's armor? Yes. Maybe. Oh, you know, that's a great shoulder. No, you're right. He does. That That does happen. And there's like mm. a patang, patang, patang yeah. three yeah, yeah, times. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I, whoa, mm. maybe Beskar. I just wrote it off to it, as you say, like holdout blaster, tough, very crazy, yeah, or yeah. or just very weak, blaster. you know, underpowered uh, weapon. Mm. But no, I I like that as well. Uh, maybe it's a combination of both. The fourth mod, a nameless woman, charges in with what appears to be some kind of hammer, swinging it at Kersantin's midsection, but the blow does nothing, and he bats her to the ground as well. Round four. Overpowering the mods, Chrysanthemum takes stock of the situation. Uh, Standing over the fallen youth, about to make his next attack, Boba is finally able to get back in the fight. Ripping his gaffy stick from the Wookiee's back, he drives the spear end into the back of Chrysanthemum's leg. 
Just then, the Gamorrean guards arrive. But before they can join the fight, Chrysanthemum charges, sending all three combatants tumbling down the stairs to the throne room below. Round five. As the two Gamorreans struggle with the arboreal giant, one of them gets tossed across the observation grate in the throne room. Uh, but that's enough of an opening for the second to land a blow with his vibroaxe. He draws back for a second strike, but the Wookiee reacts even faster and lays him out with a blow from the electro knuckles. Having recovered from the tumble across the grate, the first Gamorrean is back on his feet, but Chrysanthemum lunges at him, sinking his teeth deep into the guard's neck. He's a Ooh. biter. He is a biter. That's twice. He's a, he's a, uh, he's Mike Dyson. Um, <laughs> round six. With both Gamorreans subdued, the Wookiee prowls forward to finish them off, but the mods burst into the throne room and quickly surround him again. From another room, Fennec rushes out to the throne, yelling at the mods, stay back. Hitting the concealed button, she triggers the trap door and Chrysanthemum drops, catching himself on the edge of the trap door one-handed. As the mods stand over the dangling Wookiee, Fennec draws the throwing knife from the buttstock of her rifle. Taking aim, she, she lands her shot right in the back of Chrysanthemum's hand, and he falls all the way into the empty Rancor pit below. So now we know who she was throwing that in. We do now, way. because that's right out of the marketing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Little things, too, like uh, the angle, like she comes out from a room behind the throne, and the way that he's holding on to the front of that trap door, that knife never should have hit his hand the way that it did, but it's, it's just one of those things where it's like, in the moment, it, it works even if the technical aspects of it don't. So funny little uh, little cinematography thing there. Mm -hmm. All right. So is there, where did I put it in here? Oh, yeah, I'm going to talk about this here in a second here. <laughs> all right. With, with Black Chrysanthemum safely squared away in the dungeon, all that's left is to collect and tend to the injured. Boba, having recovered enough now to uh, join them in the, in the throne room, uh, takes in the scene and he orders the Gamorrean to get his injured compatriot to the Bactopod. Fennec shoots a long sideways glance at Boba and shakes her head in a worrisome manner while the mods stare down at the enraged Wookiee. Uh, so here's, I want to talk about this for a second because there's a, a level of, uh, how do you say it, concern, uh, uh, care for uh, ostensibly his henchmen that have we seen this kind of like care from a crime lord before? No, that's different. Maybe he's going on the, you know, treat them how he wants to be treated. Oh, maybe. And touching back on what you were saying, Hank, about is he just that tough? Like in my, it, as I'm watching it, I'm like the Wookiee nearly killed him. And yeah. his, his priority is for the guard and not himself. Right. Strange. I mean, you can, you could be, a hell of a leader and still be a crime boss like yeah um, yeah yeah uh, stalin could lead a, a a nation it didn't mean he was a nice guy that's true yeah. right like yeah um so uh, that 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 ties in with his respect thing um it also ties the, in uh, with the fact that he's he's got five guys and he might as well keep them all at highest well yeah i was gonna say he needs them all yeah he right. needs everything he's got at this point He's not at, at a point, point where he can just start tossing them into the pit. He doesn't have uh, he doesn't have the retinue that Jabba did living in and around the palace that we saw in oh. Jedi. Yeah, and if they're going to be loyal for loyalty's sake, you might as well throw a little bit back at them. Yeah, absolutely. Why not? All right, this is just a little thing. We'll talk about gripes and stuff, and I don't know if this is an intentional one. Um, I want to talk about the floor for a second. <laughs> There's uh -huh. an inconsistency with the grate here. 
uh i can overlook that there you know uh, from the top when you're looking down like there's a there's a solid panel underneath it but it has this like style the grates are like yes. super stylized yeah. and yet chrysanthemum standing up looking up at the throne room is looking through like square bars so are there multiple isn't moving a, ports isn't this I don't a, think so. a, a callback to the continuity uh it could um, be from, from Jedi? Jedi, it may there, be. There's a cutscene, right? You guys know about the cutscene where Luke leaps up into the uh, into the air and grabs the oh, the, grabs the edge. The yeah, yeah, they yeah. They actually yeah. even filmed it, and then the Jawas uh, step in the, and they start, or the Gamorreans yeah, start poking his hands, yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's how he jumps down and lands in the Rancor's eye, and that's what blinds the Rancor uh, later on in the scene. Right, 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 right. 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 Um, so, but. I thought that was a callback to the continuity error. It could very well be in from return of the Jedi. (laughs) Well, I'm glad you picked that one up because I'm just like, wait a minute. That's just the (laughs) weirdest thing. Yeah. I'm sure that was on purpose, man. All right. All right. Sometime later, Boba and Fennec uh, sit at a, uh, sorry, sit at a dining table uh, and it's laid out with several delicacies. Now a pensive Boba stares at the table, not interested in eating. The R5 uh, astromech from earlier in this episode rolls in with two more plates of food on a serving tray that's very reminiscent of the one that R2 wore in Return of the Jedi. Perturbed, Boba dismisses the droid, ordering it to assist with patrols. All right, so uh, want to talk about the security thing one more time? <laughs> so suddenly, suddenly there's this real need. Uh, our security has been challenged, and you task an astromech droid. <laughs> security patrols gotta be better at that serving drinks at least anybody want to guess that that's a repaint uh, of the r5d4 model from uh mandalorian maybe yeah, i bet you it is quite possible yeah i bet you it is we save money where we can right <laughs> all right so um fennec not wanting the food uh sorry uh what are we talking about here does not uh yeah Fennec, not wanting the food to go to waste, enjoys a leg of the roast beast in front of her and leans back in her chair, telling Boba that as the head of a family, that he should enjoy some of the trappings that come with it. All right. I want to talk about the table. For a moment. The yeah, table. the table, because this was a fun little dive. We've got a couple of interesting food items here. Uh, one is a roast Nuna. Uh, and it took me a while to figure that out because I, I couldn't remember the name of the freaking thing. But uh, we first saw these creatures in the Phantom Menace on the, uh, during the pod race scene. Jabba knocks one off of the railing. Um, but then we saw them again in the Clone Wars. You remember who served this? No. Tup. Tup oh, yeah. served served one of these. Nicely done. In the episode when they find him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wicked. Wicked. I, know, I know that the bowl is it's very clearly octopus, but is there any chance that it could be a juvenile mama core? Maybe. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Delicacy. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Mama core veal. Well, that's what I wondered. So Boba looks across the table at uh, Fennec and he tells her that he needs to respond. Now, she tries to reassure him that by imprisoning black Chrysanthemum, he already has, and he should wait for them to show their hand. Boba counters that by waiting, it only gives the Huts more opportunity to strike at him again. And just then, 8D8 interrupts the meal to announce that the Hut twins are presently waiting outside, and they've brought a gift. So does this mean he's got an active chef staff still going? 
presumably there's uh, droid servants that are probably doing it somewhere off camera. Droid. Well, yeah. I guess Futurama can say that droids can cook. Well, I mean, yeah. I don't, I don't want to go as far as the, uh, you know, like it's a the essence of flavor or the Star Trek Gamorians. <laughs> the Gamorians, yeah, really. That's why they were taking so long to get up to the chamber. I don't want to say we you know we got replicators in Star Wars, but mm. look at the, uh, I mean, look at the the bread, the bread in uh, in uh, in uh, the Force Awakens. It right, just right, add right. water, and pff, there's a, a fresh Practical loaf of bread. Effect. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. All right. Uh, where are we at here now? Show. Okay. Gift outside the hut twins atop their litter. Wait for Boba to grant them an audience. Now the main gate lifts open and he and Fennec walk out to meet them. The huts then tell Boba that they have come to apologize for sending Chrysanthemum to kill him. And they hope that their gift will serve as a restitution. So here's my um, theory. Yep. They, they didn't come here to give them a gift. They came here assuming he was dead. Got there, found out he was still alive, and went, uh, here's the gift. Oh, oh, oh you, you're yeah. here. Okay. Because there's a lot, there's a line coming up that's telling where he's basically, Boba says, you know, huts want their enemies fighting. They're, yeah, you know, there so was, I, yeah, that whole, it would benefit leaving them. is 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 a matter of con- inconvenience. I don't, I don't actually think they had planned to leave. I think oh, see, now that's. Fight the pikes, and that they were bringing their own rancor to do it. That's totally, see now. I like that, but then we get into that whole thing that the Rancor is untrained. So were they willing to put the time and effort into that? Danny Would they have the time? In, that character, I don't know what his name is yet. But We'd, I just call him the, I call the, him the Rancor, Rancor Whisperer. And considers taking the blinders off so that he's the first human it imprints on. Yep. Watch that scene. He stands in yep. position and considers yep. it. Yep. And then he tells Boba, no, I like your character. I took that from the other position that it, it was a genuine gift and uh, that that decision to train it was based on, I'm going to train it myself. And then the huts went, no, no, we're going to give it away as a gift. And he went, oh, and it was, a, I was going to do that, but now it's yours. So hmm. either, either way works, but man, well, if the huts come back in any kind of force, well, see, maybe. Kids, you see how we did that? We had two differences of opinions, and we didn't we didn't kill each other. <laughs> see how we? Because I can't reach I can't reach with this microphone. That's why. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding, right? <laughs> All right. Okay. Perfect. Uh, right. So uh, they. Gra- <laughs> I just want to say I don't know if you can see it in here. I didn't realize that I caught it uh, on the side of the the litter. The bucket. He's still mopping yeah. himself with hooch. Yeah, he's got a new hooch. Yeah. Is it, yeah, a, yeah, is yeah. it a new one or is it well, did the know, same? Maybe, did... yeah, could, maybe it jumped back in the bucket. I was going to say the one that he tossed, did it land in the bucket and we oh, just yeah, didn't notice that? Awesome. So I thought, yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. But he's still mopping with hooch. <laughs> okay. With the hut brother, uh, when the hut brother gestures, a large repulsor sled hovers forward bearing a sedated rancor. The keeper brings the sled to a halt and we can see that the beast has a nose ring and it is wearing blinders. And uh, Boba says that if the huts will clear off Tatooine, he will consider it a truce. The huts agree saying that they will leave, but it's for a different reason. Hmm. They then inform Boba that they were both lied to that Jabba's former territory was previously promised to another syndicate by the spineless mayor of Mos Espa, Mok Shays. As the huts prepare to leave, Chrysanthemum is brought outside and Boba offers him back to the twins if they will renounce all claims to Jabba's legacy. The twins dismiss the gesture, saying that they're leaving, and they advise Boba do the same thing. 
claiming that Tatooine is a worthless rock and he can sell the Wookiee back to the gladiators as he's now their tribute to him. Hmm. Nice little point, actually, I thought there. Um, <laughs> with that, the Huts turn and leave while Boba orders Chrysanthemum to be released. There's the a Wookie... moment here. Yep. He raises his eyebrow and gives him like a little cut eye. Like and what? I was like doing? seriously impressed with the guy in the suits acting at that moment. Yeah, he, yeah, he, yeah. Like it's the, he lifts that eyebrow. It's it's a, it's actually if I could freeze. It's it. almost it's almost a people's eyebrow. <laughs> it's awesome. It's really odd. Like oh, oh really? Yeah. Um, what? And then uh, maybe maybe for me maybe a drop ball if there's one. I thought for sure this is when we were going to get him on board on 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 uh, on Team side. Fat. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, yeah. So. Maybe he's got to come back around. It's a big character not, to have uh, dropped in there like that. I'm not convinced that he's coming back on Team Fett. I think that uh, this was purely the setup so we could have him show up in Obi-Wan down the road. Not saying that it won't happen, mm-hmm. but I I don't know. I just as I think we've there's... been on Tatooine this this show. I really hope that we don't stay too landlocked with with Obi Wan. I hope that we uh, we get off world that a little bit. The, the, right, the, uh, right, 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 right. The uh, the art that we've seen, the production art seems to suggest that we might be leaving. Yeah, Tatooine. no, it does. It really does. Stay on target, Hank. With that, the huts. Oh, sorry, Andy, go ahead. Everything's better with a Wookiee sidekick. <laughs> it, yeah, it really is. Somebody who can rip the limbs off of other people for you. Right. <laughs> with that, the huts turn and leave while Boba orders Chrysanthemum to be released. As the Wookiee stands there free of his binders, Boba reminds him it's all just business and sends him on his way with some advice. Take it from an ex-bounty hunter. Don't work for scug holes. It's not worth it. And it's the with same that, thing he says to the uh, the Mastiff. No hard feelings. Yeah, pretty much. And uh, at that, the Wookiee's, uh, the Wookiee runs off. Uh, we get a much clearer look at the litter this week. And boy, was I ever uh, underestimating. That's actually uh, 18 litter bearers carrying yeah. those two. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like, well, it's like a dozen, right? No, no. It's like more like closer to 20. <laughs> All right. As Chrysanthemum runs off, Boba and Fennec pause for a moment to weigh in on what has just happened. Fennec asks Boba if he believes what they told him uh, to be true, and he tells her that he has no reason to believe them, that the Huts would only benefit from having their enemies fight each other. With with that, Fennec says she'll arrange a meeting with the mayor. Down in the Rancor pit, the beast lays flat out on its stomach, resting its head on a forearm. Boba asks the keeper, why does it lay like that? And he tells him that the Rancor is depressed. Astonishingly, Boba questions that a beast can even feel such things. And the keeper tells him that Rancors are emotionally complex creatures. Oh, and by the way, so here it is. Uh, they fixed the floor grate. <laughs> I don't know if you can see the shadow there. It's the, it's the proper pattern now. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> Of course, the uh, the Rancor Keeper is played by none other than veteran uh, actor Machete. Danny Trejo, who also happens to be uh, Robert Rodriguez's second cousin. Perfect. Uh, Danny Trejo made his first on-screen appearance uh, in the film Runaway Train in uh, 1985. Uh, he feels that he finally achieved legitimate uh, actor status when he appeared in Blood In, Blood Out. Uh, and he's perhaps most remembered as uh, Machete Cortez. Uh, same character in both the Spy Kids franchise and the Grindhouse films. But wouldn't you know it, he also showed up as a playable character in Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. 
Boba asks the keeper, uh, why is it wearing blinders? And he tells him that the Rancor is a calf, that it was bred from champions for fighting and that he had saved it to train himself. And that's where I say, like, uh, presumably that the I'm going to train it for me uh, as a fighter was before the Huts decided to, to give it up. Because I just assume here that as much as the Rancor belonged to the Huts, so did uh, Danny Trejo's character. Like, they're, they're yeah. a package deal. Yes. You know, they yeah. didn't just hire him specifically for that. No, and it's that's like, why I think that they their decision to give them away was made at that moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What does that say though about Danny's character? Because he doesn't really make any outward like, oh, you're just giving me. A, he has up. a moment too where he switches his spear to to from one handed at his side to two hands, and yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just just the guy has that serious look, so he gives a look like I thought he might. Oh, I thought he might maybe try to stab him. Like, maybe take a take a swing at him. Like this was a trap. And oh, you know, interesting. Then, uh, then this happens. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Um, the keeper goes on to tell Boba that the Rancor will imprint on the first human it lays eyes on. Humans canon. That's canon yeah, now. It is. Yeah. Yeah. English <laughs> is canon now. Zippers are canon now. That's right. Okay. Cool. And now that they have arrived at the palace, he will begin his training. Boba approaches the Rancor to pet it, and when he touches it, the creature pulls away from him slightly. But after a few strokes of his hand, the Rancor settles and even seems to enjoy the affection. Boba says that he intends to spend more time with the Rancor, and the Keeper encourages him to do so, citing that Rancors can become very loving. Surprised at that, Boba says that he thought they were only bred for fighting. But the Keeper corrects him, saying that's just what most people know them for but Rancors actually form strong bonds with their owners and that the witches of Dathomir were known to ride them through forest and fen. Okay. Okay. That's a big one. We can't, okay. we can't go further without talking about that for a minute. Right. You want to go through it here? I got, I got a slide for it here. Uh, so the first comes up in uh, what the 1994 uh, Dave Wolverton novel, the courtship of princess Leia. Hank, okay. you said to me earlier this week that this is your first or your favorite non-Thrawn expanded universe novel? It, 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 it's, it's got a special place in my heart. I, I couldn't tell if you were being serious or not. No, I was. I was. <laughs> now, you reminded me that Shadows was dope, and but Dark Empire was a comic. That's true. Uh, but there's, there's a scene here that it's got really nothing to do with the Rancor. And I remember like the idea that... So the one thing that you get from the novel is... is uh, and there's crazy stuff like... Uh, Isolder is the name of the, you know, the, the idea that Han has to win Leia back by buying her a planet or winning her a planet. So there's some crazy stuff to the to, to the story. I've got a I've got a bit of a, a synopsis here, and we can talk about we can expand on it afterwards. But sure, I'll just sure. run through it quickly. Uh, Courtship of Princess Leia, uh, 1994 novel in which Princess Leia is considering marriage to Prince Isolder of the Hapes or the Hapes or the Hapis. I don't know how to say that. Yeah, yeah. The Hapis Consortium, a system of worlds in a region of space concealed by something called the Transitory Mists. No, I'm not making this up. Uh, in an effort to align them with the New Republic. Ever the jealous one, Han Solo, in a high-stakes game of Sabacc, wins an uninhabited planet called, drumroll please, Dathomir. Thinking Dathomir would make a great gift to win Leia back, he whisks her off to the seemingly uninhabited world, only to discover that no... Dathomir is indeed inhabited by an alternate force-using culture called the Witches of Dathomir, who, yes, do ride rancors through forest and fen. 
<laughs> so, so a few of the cool things that stood out to me when I was, I mean, I wasn't exactly a kid. I was a grown man, but I, I was a younger man. And the, the, the idea that the Rancor <clears throat> sure. from Jabba's Palace was in ex, explicitly, uh, it was, it was, it was told to us in the novel that that Rancor was a child, was an infant. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was so, and that the, the, the ones that the witches wrote in the novel were, were gigantic, adults. Like, like 20 yeah, stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, another cool thing that's not really got anything to do with the rancor. This is, Luke dies in this novel. He falls off a mountain in a battle with. Uh, it's. I don't think it's. Uh, I'd have to reread it. I, I don't think they they name Mother Talzin, but it's a it's a it's a Dathomir witch, and yeah, um, she she all ostensibly she kills him, and right. the Force resurrects him. I love Gandalf, and again, there's another Lord of the Rings reference. But well, I mean, it's older. Back so powerful, and then. It's the reason he's so powerful in the rest of all of the Legends yep. novels. After yep. that, yep. he he literally becomes the living embodiment of the light side of of the force. Of the force. Yeah, yeah. It's such a yeah. So it's it, I guess it's got more sort of uh, nostalgia. It, it comes from that time when we didn't have a ton. Uh, right. I mean, we're talking books, uh, yeah. uh, what uh, the the <clears throat> Thrawn trilogy. I don't know. Was the Thrawn trilogy even complete by then? Because I think the I third think the so. Year no, to the Empire yeah, is what, 90, 91, 92? Right. And I think we had maybe the first or even two of the Han Solo trilogy books. The Game yeah, books, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. Those not, books, yeah. Not the Alan Dean Foster solo trilogy. No, from no, the, 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 yeah, the newer yeah, yeah. one. Yes, yeah. Right. Stack. Okay. Maybe. Uh, yeah, I think you're right, actually. Uh, it's, it's an interesting thing, though, because like you say, they were introduced in this novel, but like the, the Legends material on this stuff, I mean, ugh. Uh, there's tons of amazing artwork. I mean, you guys can take a look at it on your own. Uh, you can just look up any deviant art page, uh, rank or which is a Dathomir and you'll get these images, but, uh, yes. like crazy looking, like massive tusks growing, like really cool stuff. Uh, and then they brought that, they pulled that forward into the, uh, old Republic MMO. So you could actually ride Rancors in that, that MMO. So, yeah. I mean, this may be in fact, a little, uh, a little snapshot into what it may look like. Uh, going forward because you know as you say we're going to be the last line of the episode is then we'll be prepared uh i suspect there will be some form of time jump and the the uh the yeah. riding training Montage. will be complete <laughs> yes and, you know it's one of those things when when we got the the witches of dathomir in clone wars it's th that novel that like that's the reason i stood up in my seat when that first happened because i knew right, we were right. that close to and you know, the, the way they describe them using the force differently than the yeah. Jedi or the Sith that we've ever experienced. That yeah, they, yeah, they yeah. They sing their spells and the way they show that in the Clone Wars. So that, that novel actually knocked me out for a lot of different reasons. There's some yeah. wacky stuff that goes on it, but then there's also the Yuzhan Vong, so... Oh, well, okay. So I'll give you that. I will take, I will take 10 courtships of Princess Leia yeah. over, you know, you right. know, uh, right. one Yuzhan Vong. If, if anybody wants to complain about anything in Star Wars... Everybody Star go read a Vong novel and then come back and tell me that Boba Fett's garbage. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Keep the Star Wars Borg out of it. Thank you very much. <laughs> okay. At the notion that uh, Rancors can be ridden, Boba asserts that uh, he wants to learn how to ride it. Uh, but the Rancor whisper is a little confused and he says, you what? Uh, and then Boba enthusiastically uh, uh, reasserts, um, I want to ride it. And then he adds this really interesting line where he says, I've ridden beasts 10 times its size. Oh, yeah. And uh, I don't think there's a, an old school Star Wars fan out there that, that didn't put this one together, that it's almost certainly a reference to the uh, the Pars Ichthyodont, 
uh, as seen in the uh, the holiday special. And of course, that uh, that animated segment of the holiday special is probably the most redeeming thing of the special, uh, the high watermark, uh, as it were. We have no idea how big a mythosaur is either, and we got that uh, that uh, well, this, emblem on yeah. the shoulder there for a reason or two. You know, so that's right. Many different. Uh, could it be that he? I mean, uh, uh, Quill had said to Mando, "Your people rode the the the, the mythosaur." So that's, yeah, exactly. You know, that's what I'm um, at. like yeah. You know, and I think at some point we all kind of thought, is this, you know, is this what we're talking about? But it doesn't have the, the, the horns or the tusks. No, it's officially. Nod, the, though. It's like, it, it's, there's so many, that's the thing. There's so many double meanings, triple meanings yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The nuances. But this creature officially known as the, the Pars Ichthyodont is what it's called. It, it is, it is big. Yeah. So, uh, as Boba continues, uh, to pet the new uh, his new pet, the keeper walks out a few feet in front of the rancor. He marks out a spot in the dirt with his uh, staff, and he instructs Boba to stand on it. The keeper then moves to the rancor, petting it for a moment before he slides off the blinders. The beast blinks a few times, staring at the blurred visage of its new master. Finally, the uh, the rancor's vision clears, and Boba comes into focus. Cautiously, Boba approaches the rancor with an outstretched hand. As he inches closer, he calls to it, easy boy, then finally reaches out to pet it once again, first on the snout and then moving to the side of its head until he finally reaches a spot that the beast clearly seems to like as its eyelid grows heavy. And then we get this like (laughs) amazing comedic moment where 8D8 pops his head out from behind the thing. Um, Excuse me. The tender moment is broken abruptly when 8D8 8D8 pokes his head out from behind the rancor and announces that the mayor's office has responded to the meeting request. As it turns out... Yeah, go ahead. Have you guys seen the uh, picture of uh, Tamora and uh, Danny standing in front of the the rancor head? Yes, I did. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Lauren jumped up when the scene was happening. She's like, I think that rancor is practical. I think the head is practical. I'm not sure about the arm under it, but I think it's practical. And I was like... Some of it is. Absolutely it is. and then that they launched that thing on Twitter, and she yeah, was I saw that. Right, that the head was practical, but nothing else was. And I was like, quite yeah. impressed. Man, even we were cool. talking about it, it's like you, when you put your hand when you physically put your hand on something, like if if you don't, if there's not something there to push back against it, it right. just doesn't come off as as uh, credible as a physical thing. And so right. the fact that they constructed a one to one rancor head, uh, I'm over the moon with that. So yeah, man. Dope. Can we go in on the scale for a second? The scale of the rancor itself? Yes. Uh, sure, we is can. a calf. Yep. Uh, why was Moochie so, so small? much smaller? Yeah, so Moochie was uh, an infant, if you will. That's a good question. Or was Moochie like a newborn? Maybe. Maybe yeah. And female. Maybe. And she still wrecked havoc. Uh, yes. Possibly <laughs> the females are smaller? Uh, Totally possible. And we don't know the gender of this one, do we? Well, he no. calls it boy, uh, he calls right? it boy. Well, he does say he easy does say boy. boy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Right. That's true. And then the other thing was Wrecker, the first human or person that Moochie, that imprinted, Moochie imprinted on. Yeah. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's, oh, that's something that they could come back to. <laughs> but another thing that does... It answers a question that huts are breeding rancors. Yeah, I I guess so. so really, they have a breeding population somewhere. This is know, our third or whatever, but thirty seconds, this, guys, keep going. Yeah, fair enough. This is our third time now uh, with uh, uh, rancors associated with huts. Yeah. Uh, sorry, third time. Well, associated with Jabba's family. Yeah. 
literally maybe, with his family. Maybe they've cornered the market since, you know. Uh, it's entirely possible. But uh, Again, sort of the, this comedic moment, though, with uh, 8D8. And it's like, you see him pop out. And uh, I'm like, you know the, the door that they walked in through? Yeah. It's like, was he hiding behind the Rancor the whole time? Maybe. <laughs> I didn't see any other doors in the uh, the pit for him to come through, but I just... Well, there's got to be a big enough door to fit the Rancor through. Well, there had to be for that, too. I howled, though, when he when he popped out from around the corner. <laughs> so the, the uh, tender moment is abruptly broken as 8D8 pokes its head out from behind the Rancor to announce that the mayor's office has responded to the meeting request. Not surprisingly, it turns out that the mayor is predictably unavailable for at least the next 20 days. Boba, not impressed at that news, tells the Rancor uh, Keeper to feed the beast a full Ronto carcass and then leaves the droid saying that they won't be waiting for an appointment. You know what? It was almost a throwaway line to me. I was like, oh, oh, if Ronto, okay, well, I mean, I think we're all pretty familiar with what, what they are, but... You know, I took I took a little bit of time to uh, dive in on this one, and I, I came up with some stuff that I didn't know before. Um, so Rontos. Rontos were uh, created for the 1997 special edition uh, as a domesticated pack animal, uh, originally conceived by, uh, by artist Ty Rubin Ellingson. Now, his work includes concept art for Pacific Rim, Priest, Battle Los Angeles, Trinity, uh, Blade Trinity, and Spawn and a whole bunch of other ones. But then he based his artwork on uh, rhinos, elephants, and dinosaurs. But here's the part that really killed me. And now that I know it, I cannot unsee it. The animation asset for the Ronto is a modified reuse of the Brachiosaurus model from Jurassic Park. (laughs) And now I just, I can't not see it. I'm like, yep, it's totally there. (laughs) So that brings up the question because... Is Ronto, uh, uh, is, it a, is it a food animal or is it a pack animal? Well, it turns out that apparently it's both because uh, even now it is served at uh, a restaurant, the restaurant Ronto Roasters. Uh, this is the restaurant at the Black Spire Outpost on uh, Batu. And uh, for those of you who are not well-versed, that is a restaurant at the Galaxy's Edge theme park. So also, yeah. he says, grab a Ronto carcass from the larder from the larder yeah yeah got a huge storehouse of yeah 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 or presumably and other stuff yeah Yeah. the slaughterhouse district of uh, there's more stuff going on uh what's uh castle in that palace i think what's interesting is as you look at the menu here it's (laughs) like oh yeah okay so there's there's two uh ronto offerings but there's also nuna on the menu which is Mm -hmm. another food item that we just saw and of course, it's going to come up later on this this uh, this episode. Uh, we can uh, have ourselves some Melu Run juice. Oh, perfect! Not freshly squeezed like the the Major Domo, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it is. I don't know. <laughs> All right, on the streets of uh, Mos Espa, Boba, Fennec, and the mods approach the city hall. As Boba and Fennec climb the stairs to the front door, the mods fan out on their speeders to cover the front door. As Boba and Fennec approach the the concierge desk, the mayor's majordomo spots them and appears quite nervous. Boba demands to see the mayor, but the majordomo once again tries to defuse the situation, proclaiming that the mayor's schedule is um, complicated. At that, Fennec steps closer to the desk, telling the man to choose his next words carefully as she flips back her skirt, revealing a blaster (laughs) pistol on her right hip. 
And oh boy, <laughs> is that something? Because that is a very, very specific, very specific blaster <laughs> pistol in the form of a uh, Blast Tech DL44 uh, heavy blaster pistol. Probably the most famous blaster pistol in all of Star Wars, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. So good. Uh, so Fennec, she's sporting uh, the Han Solo blaster. Mm-hmm. Originally uh, made from a uh, German Mauser C96. The C96 was in uh, production from uh, 1896 to uh, 1937. There are several versions of this across the franchise. Um, really, there's essentially there's two that we see an awful lot. One is the 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 regular one that they call, and the other one is what they call the Greedo the Greedo Killer. Um, right. The Greedo Killer is literally <laughs> the one that he that he pulled on Greedo in the bar, which is different than what he carries throughout the rest of the trilogy. Luke has a DL forty four in Empire. It's the Greedo Killer, or sorry, not the Greedo Killer. It's the it's the, there were so few props for Star Wars that they just kept reusing them. And so things got repainted, they got reused, they got new modifications added to them. Like you can see along the the bottom row there, like the 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 Empire Strikes Back one, the Return of the Jedi one, and the uh, the Empire Strikes Back with Luke. They all have the same scope that's on the uh, Stormtrooper rifle. Mm-hmm. So I mean, yeah, cool use of uh, use and reuse of props, but yeah, definitely. Uh, like I say, it's probably the most famous, most iconic weapon. One other than lightsabers, mm. it's uh, one of the most iconic weapons in Star Wars. Okay, with the urgency of the situation made clear, the major domo suddenly realizes that uh, he can move some appointments around to accommodate Boba. He turns to uh, he then turns to enter the mayor's chambers, and as he does, the door slides shut and the panel indicator changes from green to red as the door is locked from the inside. I love See, the beat here, though. Did he just lock the door? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Seeing the locked door panel, Boba and Fennec know something is up, and they rush to get the door open. But the controls are frozen, and Fennec has to use the throwing knife from her rifle to break it open. Hot wiring the door, the two rush inside, only to find that the mayor's office has been deserted. Neither he nor the major domo are anywhere to be seen. And then the chase is on. So there's definitely a back door in there. Oh, there has to be. I mean, surely, uh, as a we said it before, greasy politician, <clears throat> yeah. he's got a he's got a, a secret door somewhere in there. Yep. I'm sure. That's and right. she didn't just blast the panel. No, you no, she like she hotwired it. Yeah, yeah. She and returned to the Jedi. Him, did. If he went one way, the mayor probably went the other way. Or the mayor was never in there to begin with. Well, he's been true. gone for a while. You know, I don't know. Like. Especially with the, uh, you know, uh, the, the, the revelation at the end of him, him working with the Pikes, right? That's Maybe right. he just wasn't there. Yeah. No, that's true. One thing's for sure. Everybody loved this scene. <laughs> <laughs> this whole sequence was the most talked about thing all week. In fact, uh, people are still talking about it because yeah, here we are gonna, right now. Yeah, <laughs> Russia's about to invade Ukraine and nobody could talk about that. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. That's so true. It's very true. Yeah, yeah. But the Vespas are different colors. <laughs> <laughs> go, go, Power Rangers. Uh, rushing outside of City Hall, Boba and Fennec spot the Major Domo making a run for it in a luxury speeder, which looks remarkably an awful lot like the speeder that Han jacked in Solo, possibly redressed and uh, and repainted. Now, did you guys see the uh, everyone's favorite part was uh, a shot from behind of the major domo? Oh, I know. When uh, an ass was like driving. A, an ass yeah. was driving. <laughs> yes, sir. Yep. Uh, 
with the two Leku head tails hanging down and just the way that his head wraps that they do look like yep. you know somebody bent over. Oh, it's funny. Some fancy driving there. Fennec orders the mods to give chase and they tear off in pursuit. A protocol droid as blustery as C-3PO is caught off guard as the speeders fly past, narrowly avoiding it. But he's he's sporting uh, another Lord of the Rings nod, but he's got like almost a white handprint. On Pretty his much. Face. Yeah. yeah, it actually carries down half his torso. I noticed that there, he's got a paint scheme on him. Yeah. There's a there's a, a, a in the credits there's something referred to as a traffic control droid and I wondered if that was maybe it maybe but That's I mean cool. the the attitude of the go oh my oh my it was literally a C3PO moment I'm like uh, it's a little not not too confident for traffic control I'm not used to <laughs> speeding chases maybe they're not used to uh was the was the complaint the low speed chase right, right. yeah <laughs> As the chase continues, the Twilight careens his speeder recklessly down the narrow streets. At one point, he sideswipes a repulsor car, toppling it and its astromech pilot. Uh, rounding a corner, a pit droid collapses itself just in time uh, to be uh, to avoid being struck. Um, posing, uh, or sorry, passing through a fruit stand, the speeder then rounds a corner. Drash and Scad exchange glances, and the mods split into two groups. Um, oh, where am I here? There we go. As the chase goes on, the Major Domo finds himself on narrower streets and uh, can't avoid hitting uh, the scaffolding on either side. At one point, he strikes a water tower and it falls, but Drash is able to gun it over the barrels while Scad slides his speeder under the falling the falling tower. Just think how much he just wasted there. Uh, the water? Oh. <laughs> Not as much that came out of the, uh, as what came out of the train last True. week. When the other two mods finally rejoin the group, Scad uses his bionic leg to kick and damage one of the engines, while the other guy uses a cybernetic plasma welder to cut a gash on the other engine. Desperate to make his escape, the Major Domo tries to run Scad off the road, but the mod expertly pilots his speeder up the side of a building and safely back down to the road. Awesome. Swerving, swerving at the other mod, He's forced to get out of the way, and in doing so, rides right into the path of two men carrying a large piece of art. Much more interesting than a uh, pane of glass. Well, there is that. The How other thing here... just talking about that, right? Like, uh, I don't know why they're not. They the other be. thing is, I don't know if it's really... Oh, it may not be apparent in our slide. Um, the the large bald man carrying the, the, the artwork? Episode 1, Season 1, The Mandalorian? It's you, Mando. Oh, really? No. Does it not look like him? A little bit. Maybe he's got more legitimate work now. Have to go back and watch it again. I mean, it's probably not meant to be the same character, but it sure does look like the same actor. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that on uh, the ice planet, though? Uh, It is on the ice planet, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got sick of being cold. Luke is missing from this uh, image. Absolutely. So, I mean, this is uh, original concept uh, artwork uh, from Ralph McQuarrie. And it is uh, Jabba's palace. palace. So there's a better look at him now. The guy on the left-hand side, like, it may not be the same guy, but, man, it's awfully close. Uh, Boba's in this, too, isn't that? So that's that's the other thing, yeah. Boba is in the scene. So is Lando, for that matter. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. So now there's an in-universe, you know, reason for this thing to exist. Somebody conceivably has commissioned this a portrait of java <laughs> a portrait of java and you'll notice in the background there is a spit yes the uh, the barbecue that uh, again nope nobody seemed to remember yeah <laughs> it's been there the whole time folks that's okay i didn't know either all right max so, rebo's in there uh yes he is 
Unfortunately for the mod, he's right in the path of an outdoor cafe table and he tumbles over it, effectively taking him out of the chase. With just three mods remaining, the Twilight continues to push his speeder hard. An unsuspecting uh, rickshaw droid with two Bith passengers pulls out into the intersection. Uh, rickshaw droid, we actually saw that back in Attack of the Clones when uh, Padme and Anakin rode in mm-hmm. one right, he- right here in Mos Espa. Mm. Yeah. And he guns it. With almost no time to react, the droid guns it, but the Major Domo speeder glances off of it, sending it spinning. Fortunately, the Bith appear to be unharmed. Drash, seeing an opportunity, boldly drives her speeder up a long staircase to a rooftop. Catching up to the land speeder below, Drash cranks the throttle and jumps off the roof. Landing on the speeder, she sends it careening into a, a spin right through an outdoor farmer's market smashing through all manner of fruits and vegetables, including a giant cart of Melu runs. I cheered for a few. I did too. I cheered for a fruit. (laughs) (laughs) The speeder finally comes to a halt up against a wall and it stalls out. Uh, Melu runs were the fruit that was introduced in Star Wars Rebels back in 2014 and is quite often the the butt of many, many jokes in that series as both Ezra and Zeb both really like to play fight over them. This is Lieutenant Meluron. Meluron, yes. <laughs> Where he's, he's imitating different off, uh, Imperial officers, but using the name uh, Meluron. <laughs> un, unable to restart his speeder. He's not giving up. No, he's, Even he's still trying. Like yeah, this, yeah. You know? He's still trying to get it to start. Unable to restart the speeder, Boba drops in on his jetpack and plainly asks the Twilight, where is he? Defeated, the Major Domo finally, finally... Uh, drops the charade and tells Boba that the mayor is gone. And quite frankly, he's, he's working with the bikes. Okay. Uh, no, I'm going to save it. I'm going to save it for later. Cause I'm going to save it for the, the, the post show kind of wrap up here. Moving on with the plot uh, at the starport, a, a large star liner comes in uh, for a landing while the second one already on the ground debarks a number of passengers among them are at least a dozen pikes. So, uh, I want to talk about the Starliner here for a second because at first I thought it, it bore a striking resemblance, at least in the general layout, to the uh, the Rebel Transport, the, the Gallo Free, the GR-75. Um, the general layout with the, uh, the, the, the engine stacked up at the back, the long mm-hmm. kind of sausage, I don't know what you call that, fish-looking thing. And we've certainly seen, yeah, it looks like it might have been um, a calamari vessel. Almost, but I mean, at the same time, as it, as it comes into more into view, I mean, it definitely has all of the trappings of like the, the, what we would call the, the Carillion design, right. like yeah. the Millennium Falcon, uh, the YT-2400, the Outrider, which was canonized back in the special edition of Star Wars. See, and you know, from the games as well as I do that the, those yeah. are all modular ships that they were designed to be integrated into one another. That's right. That they could be. Yeah. I, they're quite literally the Honda Civic of Star Wars, right? Right. <laughs> you know, a YT thirteen hundred is what uh, endlessly modifiable. And we've seen as, the Cosanti, like there's civilian and uh, military applications, and military versions yeah. of these 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 vehicles. So yeah, that's absolutely. right. But then I, I, as I'm looking around and I'm I'm really looking at, especially the the side that the profile of that ship, I couldn't help it. Like when you put it up against a shot of the Millennium Falcon, like this, looking at the Falcon from the back. It's almost like whoever designed this was looking, was staring at the Falcon from the back end and said, oh, I, I can make a new ship out of that. That would yeah, not shock me at all. I think there was a super all. blurry version of, if 
uh, snap of this from the trailer. Well, that's just it. Thinking that might is that the, the Falcon, yeah. especially yeah, with the, the giant rate. Look at the radar dish on top, and look at in the shot where it is right. on the left yeah. hand side. It just like <clears> could that be the Falcon from the back end? It kind of has that look. So, yeah, uh, kudos to whoever designed the ship. I I love it, and and really, this is what the second time we've actually seen civilian ships in Star. Well, that's not true. Technically. 99% of the rebel, the rebel fleet was all civilians, Civilian but uh, yeah, yeah, well, for their intended had, purpose. Uh, the Naboo cruisers and the uh, the ships of royalty, although they, right, fly, they right, 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 meant to be sort of luxury, yeah, 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 yeah. Interesting though, just seeing like, yeah, that it's it's you know, not no military application here whatsoever, just strictly passenger liner people mover, right? Okay, so, um. Scad sits nearby on his. Oh, I should go back up to that uh, shot there. Scad sits nearby on his uh, speeder, watching it from the rearview mirror. After he's seen enough, he uh, he pulls away, stopping at a hollow booth uh, in an alleyway. He does a double take to make sure that no one is watching him before he makes a phone call. Back at the palace, Boba and Fennec receive the call, and Scad tells them that he's sure it's the Pikes, and there's at least a dozen of them. Fennec turns to Boba and she tells him that this is just the first wave. She pauses then for a moment before adding, they're going to war. Boba takes it all in for a minute and then he replies, then we'll be ready. Cut to black. That is the end of our episode. So people were angry over Vespas, but they weren't angry at the fact that Star Wars still has payphones. (laughs) I mean, I don't trust. I mean, we had Rancors, we had Danny Tradio, we had, um, yeah, yeah. We, I mean, we, we're, we're getting into the like, we, we got there's so much in this episode. Attack. We had, we, had, we got the new one, like, like something has spooked the huts, and we're so close to Crimson Dawn, yeah, I'm, yeah, yeah. I'm so adamant that I'm right about that. And all of those, the movie, the Witches of Dathomir reference, like, the, all these things, and all people can focus on is this, this. I just, I don't color the scooter. It's so self referential. You know, I don't know how else to say it. I mean, the show has been extremely self referential and that, that has been uh, a treasure trove of Easter eggs and, and like little things that, like you say, make you stand up and squeal at your TV. Like, you know, like you're just so happy to see this stuff. Yes, it was a short episode, but it didn't feel short. You were given so much information in yeah, this one. No, it, like to expand on the lore of the Rancor. Yeah. Yep. Like I, just I, that yeah. alone. I don't know if anybody else has watched all three, but they flow so well into one another too. They like do. They, yeah, they, they really, really do. They really are yep. all one big piece. Yep. I think if you took, you know, and I'm sure somebody out there is already working on this. Uh, if you fan edited all of the Tuscan pieces together into one cohesive narrative and just watched that, it works. Yeah, uh, almost as much as if you took the the present the present day stuff, you could put all that together and it would be okay to watch too. I think chances yeah. are we're going to get to a point where you could actually cut in the Mandalorian stuff as well. We're you know we're on the verge of that right now with the uh, appearance of uh, Peli Motto and the, and the pit droids. Mm-hmm. You know the the that sort of, again that self referential uh, Pike uh, stormtrooper helmets on a Pike sequence. That's right. Almost certainly, you know, uh, right now. That kid and Din Djarin are are hunting down Fennec Shan. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah at, at the cantina, you know. Like yeah, somewhere like in that just yeah. prior to, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I think I you're going to get so the other side of, 
Boba restaurant. Oh, we right? have to. I think uh, that's pivotal. Like yeah, you said, right. Andy, that'll introduce us to the guy doing the mods. Sure. You might sure. get a little bit of Cobb Vant in, in, in terms of maybe just him finding out about Cobb Vant. You might yeah. Where's my arm? Walk by yeah. or drive by <laughs> yeah. speeder or yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I'm over the moon, man. If, Me too. I can't, I can't, I can't stress enough that there was a, there was a decade and a bit where we didn't have anything that anything would have been yeah. good enough. And, and, and when, when people are decrying quality stuff, I, I don't, I really don't know what to do. It makes me defensive. And I guess maybe I, I maybe I overstepped my bounds a couple of times this weekend. Um, and if I offended anybody and if, if anybody I offended is watching this, which is highly unlikely, <laughs> I'm really sorry, man. But I, like I use the term real fan and I feel that way because I feel like, <clears throat> and I said it before, after the first episode, if you didn't like yeah. him at his worst, you don't deserve him at his best. At his best. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and this is a long haul. We've never, ever been disappointed by anything Filoni and Favreau have given yeah. us in terms of the Star yeah. Wars world. All right. And I, I think that, that we have to trust that they know what they're doing. If I could yeah. summarize it sort of in what I saw a meme, uh, Andy, I think you sent it over. Yeah. And, uh, it's a great summary of like the, the first panel is this isn't my Boba Fett. And uh, it's got a picture of, of Tamura in, in the new, the, the re-armored paint scheme with the helmet off. And then the bottom panel is my Boba Fett and it's Boba crashing into the side of the, the sail barge, you know, as he's about to fall into the Sarlacc. Yeah. So, I mean, like, how can you be upset about just making him more of a badass, yeah. more Six of a minutes, 23 seconds, four lines, yeah, of dialogue, four lines of dialogue. <laughs> what, what part of that, what part of put captain solo in the cargo hold makes him the most That's badass right. character ever to exist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know what I mean? well, here it is in the uh, comics. He's like Bruce Willis. He scrapes by fist fights by the skin of his teeth. Sure. He's, he's got more in kin with long shot from the X-Men than he does with, with, yeah. you know, dog the bounty hunter, if you want. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He's, he's like, he's he's your every man. Although I, he doesn't seem to bleed. <laughs> Maybe that's his. But he he really is more complex, and and we have to allow him and allow the writers and the fans to be complex. Like I heard the most ridiculous things this week. Like that third episode was so bad. That's the reason. Uh, David Rock or uh, sorry, Rob, oh, Robert Rodriguez, Rodriguez. doing any more episodes <laughs> till the finale. Like these things weren't filmed a year ago, a year ago, the year before that, <laughs> like that their, their, their complaints have uh, weight and that they can change what's about to happen. Mass right. Plus, right. Know, like, no, I, I agree with you. Check. Okay. So I've got a theory and, uh, this goes, this dives into the uh, past informing the uh, future. Uh, here we go. Uh, I think that the Pikes are behind the Kintan Striders slaughtering the Tuscans, and that's a retaliation move for the train heist. Yeah, and I think it it, it makes sense because if uh, I mean you know that they weren't gonna they weren't gonna go not like his Boba even says he's like I have to respond. Well, the Pikes had to respond. You just knocked off one of our you know our spice trains. Uh, that's big money, and uh, what essentially going back to the the old trope of sand people are savages. They're not going to let that, that go. So I think rather than get their own hands dirty, it's easy enough to throw some credits or whatever, or at least, you know, in the, uh, make it look like they did it. That's right. Because if Boba goes and deals with the, the Kintan, uh, the striders, which he is going to, by the way, there is no question of that now. Yeah. So for anybody out there who thinks that this show is making Boba Fett a hero, 
there's a whole lot of killing about to happen, and I'm I'm doubling down on that. Yeah, some serious um, stuff. If he goes out and takes care of them, good. That's one less thing the Pikes have to worry about. Yeah, problem absolutely. solved. And then they absolutely. get to me. They get to you know, wasn't us. And then the other side of that is, and we know that doesn't happen. But let's say that he was to go out there, and he gets killed in the process once again for the Pikes. One less thing we got to worry about. Right. And it's exactly what they say about the huts. They, 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 they're, they're, it's let their enemies fight each other. Right. Absolutely. It's, it's in their best interest to have the chaos to, 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 right. to settle in that vacuum. Um, I, I completely agree with you. I, um, I think, in fact, that so many waves have been made in this small little backwater planet that we focused on so much uh, in the entirety of all of Star Wars. Yeah. That that the attention, okay, of some big players has been has been. Uh, Garden. Has there been enough attention drawn to to get the to get the the nascent New Republic uh, government involved? I I you know maybe, but I would say certainly. Yeah. Uh, I I would say certainly the Remnant Empire. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 Kicking yeah. their head around here, and certainly, certainly, I can't stress it enough. Crimson yeah. Dawn. I think so as well. Uh, I, I'm I'm just like, I'm still haven't quite figured out. I don't have a clear picture of how the Crimson Dawn is, is going to come on the scene, whether they're still associated with the Pikes or not, or whether, you know, they're just going to make a play independently and say, no, you're not getting it. We are. I do think that they're, they're coming in. I think that's just, it's an inevitability, but I also think that uh, you're going to touch on the, uh, that last line, the, the whole will be ready thing. You know, um, I actually think that because the, the big complaint was the other meme this week that came out was uh, what we wanted. And they showed the scene from empire with all the bounty hunters lined up. Right. And then the, the, the bottom panel was what we got. And it was the two of them with all of the, uh, the, the mods. Right. And I thought, well, you guys are just like, can you not just like sit down and be quiet for a hot minute? Like the show's not over yet. They're about to go to war. And uh, Boba Fett says he's not a bounty hunter anymore, but let's not forget that he was a bounty hunter for most of his adult life. Right. He's got connections. Well, this is what I said like that. I feel like the line the will be ready means that he is going to call in every freaking favor that's ever yeah. been owed to him. Right. And we're going to get a smorgasbord of bounty hunter cameos in the next couple of and episodes. It's happened twice now. Every time someone's, opened their yap about wanting something and why don't we have this it's literally been the next episode it's been spoon fed to you (laughs) right like people can't just you know have the emotional intelligence to wait no i I hear you and let's judge the whole series after all seven episodes have been there and after you can digest the entire uh story because i can't wait to sit back and be able to watch all seven episodes continuously uh if you judge a, a book by its cover or the first three chapters, you're never going to get through the book. Um, right. It's, yeah, that's, yeah. that's silly. Like these guys know what they're doing and they, they, they're, 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 they're there to entertain us. And, 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 you know, like that's a, that's a blessed thing. Like, like, like man, like doing this with you guys and getting to watch the show every week. It's like, yep. It's all those things. It's, it's everything I wanted since I was 10 years old. And I, I, I mean, I've been waiting a long time for it, so I'm I'm super stoked. I'm super happy. I don't understand why people are so angry. <laughs> I still <laughs> stick with uh, the you know everything uh, as we call it now the uh, the the Filoniverse or the Mandoverse, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, uh, I've said it before. I will say it again. I do think that these shows in concert are serving to recontextualize 
the sequel trilogy while still giving us a healthy dose of classic Star Wars oh, elements. And did you guys hear the two rumors this week too? We'll end off maybe with that. The uh, yep. uh, there was a tweet by Ming Na Wen that was congratulating. Oh, Katie Sackoff. Uh, Katie Sackoff. Yes. Congratulations, girl. And hashtag Bo Katan. <laughs> hashtag blah, blah, blah. And, and then so it was almost immediately deleted. Deleted. So did we just get a little leaky poo of either her, her she's either coming soon or most people are speculating that maybe they've replaced the uh, Rangers of the New Republic with a Bo Katan show. I wondered if that's kind of the way that and it's going to go. She's definitely a leading actor. She definitely yeah. knows she's carried several sci fi franchises. That's right. Carried yep. them well. Yep. Uh, yep. hundred percent. And did we see that, um, that Knights of Ren trailer? I did see that. And now I've looked at it a couple of times stuff, man. What do you, what do you think? Have you seen it, Andy? I have seen it. I've seen it. To me, it looks like game engine. I agree with you. I totally agree with you on that. I don't think really slick game engine. It looks super, super polished, but I mean, you, you put it up against like, like, uh, like a real, and I'm not saying that it's not real, but when you put it up against a live action, big, big budget film trailer, right? There's something not there. It no, just the final doesn't look. Or whatever. Yeah. But they also, there's also, it's, and I, in my opinion, it's on purpose to blend it a little, you know, uh, direction or, oh, sure, to sure. make it seem more realistic. And that's the, the, the throw that Disney plus at the, at the uh, end of it, that Lucas yeah. film at the beginning, and then to yep. darken it so that it's almost, you know, that movie theater yeah. quality and then to skew yeah. the image and have the corner of the screen cut off like you're sitting oh, in yeah, the theater yeah. or, a, or a screening room. Uh, and I think that's all on purpose to, to add to Sure, the sure. But I'm yeah. sure it's leaked, leaked game footage and somebody has tried to turn it into like a, maybe a even misdirect. Yeah, yeah. Perhaps yeah. even a misdirect. Yeah. It was dope though. If you It's definitely seen it, interesting, yeah. A, a Sith jumps out of a TIE fighter onto the back of an X-Wing, cuts the canopy open and after the crash... Is stands up out of the, the wreckage, the wreckage lights, yeah. lightsabers. It's dope looking. <laughs> and the Knights of Ren have just had a a, a pretty successful run in the Marvel uh, in the Marvel run. So, uh, you know, I mean, certainly that's a, a criticism of the sequel trilogy that they were uh, hyped up and underutilized. So, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd be down to see something more about them. You know, mm-hmm. maybe tie them in with the the Witches of Dathomir. <laughs> All right. Any more for any more before we sign off for the night? can't wait for next week because uh i just want to sift through all the negative comments for all weekend that's what i want to do with my life <laughs> <laughs> more rancor yeah 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 more I rancor mean, more rancor the, the beast not the emotion <laughs> yeah. all right guys well i think that's uh that's pretty much it for me yeah more do, do we think do we think the Haslab thing would have done better oh that's a good that's episode? a good question okay so one last question, and it came up. Uh, it came up in one of the the uh, one of the YouTubers I follow, who's a uh, works in the toy industry for a long time, had posited the question: Would the Haslab Rancor have been funded if the campaign had been going on during the time of uh, Episode Three when we got the reveal that there's a new Rancor on the scene? It's, it's a nice idea, but I I honestly think that this vitriol would have washed it out. Probably, you know, honestly, like I mean, if if I'd like to see what some of the other, you know, you know, one of the things that bothered me the most, and I didn't even click on the video, and I, I it's been a minute since I've clicked on Theory's yeah. videos. And, yeah. And Theory, if you ever watching us, well, I used to watch you a lot, bro. And I, I don't know what's going on lately. Yeah. But he literally put in the title of his 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 review of it in in brackets and all caps. Yep. Didn't like it. 
Oh, interesting. Like, like so when people are reading your your clickbait, you know, your titles title. Stuff, yeah, you're yeah, already yeah. telling them your opinion, you're already informing them, you're already giving them their opinion, oh. your loyal followers. And I that's not cool, man. I don't think that's cool. Uh, that's a whole other conversation that we can have offline about how to title your videos. Cause I have some pretty strong thoughts on that as well, but, uh, that's not what we're here for. We're here to talk about, uh, the book of Boba Fett. We've got, uh, we're not, e- we're, we're not even 50% of the way through there, folks. We got, uh, four, four more coming up yep. and, uh, man, I'm super excited. We got the, uh, the Dave Filoni directed episode coming up here in a couple of weeks. And I think that's, uh, I know for, I would assume Hank, you were as excited about that as I oh, am. Yeah. Episode six. Uh, as big fans of, of, of Dave. for episode yeah. five, yeah, yeah, uh, and a mystery director that we don't, we're not really. Oh, we do know it's. Um, oh, is it? Uh, it's not. Uh, uh, was want to say Deborah Chow, but that no. is that right? No, no maybe it's an Asian fellow. Like, oh, I'm dropping oh, the ball. Oh, uh, um, 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 Taika Waititi. No, no, nope. uh, worked on the Mandalorian. Had a, yes, an episode yes, of yes. Mandalorian. Wow, and we're fans, aren't we? Ah. <laughs> we'll have it this week, I'm sure. All right. Okay, I've got nothing else. I hope that you guys will continue to stay with us right here on Fandom Power as we continue to deep dive every week on the Book of Boba Fett here on our little show that, uh, for now, we like to call The Book of Boba Fandom. And uh, with with four more episodes, we will be back to cover all of them in the same level of detail that uh, I've come to expect from the show. <laughs> and, and hopefully you have too. I hope it's been a, a worthwhile ride for you guys. That was good. There's a lot of good stuff to dive in here. Yeah. It's not it, snack size. We're a meal. The long format is not for everybody. So I appreciate, uh, again, once again, uh, with the utmost sincerity, I appreciate you choosing us as your entertainment options are so, so varied. So we definitely appreciate the support. Uh, check us out on all of our socials. Follow us on uh, everywhere. <laughs> Listen to us everywhere. Watch us on, uh, preferably on YouTube. But uh, if you're watching on Facebook right now, because we have a couple Facebook likes, thank you for following along. We will continue to post everywhere and anywhere we can uh, can find an audience. But until next week, fa- uh, folks, uh, my name is Wes. I'm Andy. I'm Hank. All right. And we'll... in the <laughs> <laughs> Bye for now, everybody. We'll see you next week. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening to Fandom Power. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Stay tuned for our next episode where we'll be talking about another one of your favorite fandoms. Fandom Power is a Sawcast production.